0: It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You, know, you got a bicycle.
1: i feeling good.
0: Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit build- of... Let me get this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We're riding a bicycle in this arena.
1: With my man, man, pots and Pants, Nick Bacon. That's me. I don't
0: know what the kid is that was a- riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it through the to the
1: ring. Tomorrow night, you can kick your face off. I don't know what
0: that But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour. He don't know nothing else. Like <laughs> he you know
1: that wrestling, bro.
0: Give me a hell, yeah. I said, give me a hell, yeah.
1: What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there at Netland, and welcome. Episode 287 of The Straight Shooters, which is available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacona Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us here on this episode with another deep dive. What are we diving deep into? We're diving deep into King of the Ring 1996, which took place almost 25 years ago this month. We're recording this on June 9th. The show took place on June 23rd. Uh, it's become a bit of a landmark show over the years, not really because of you know any particular match or anything like that, but because of one promo in particular uh, that people can always look back on the show. But there are other things that happened on the show, too, and we're digging into all of it here on episode 287 of the podcast. Uh, next week, we're going to dig into King of the Ring 1997, which is a Patreon request, uh, so if you want your request to be fulfilled, if you want us to cover something uh, that's wrestling related, whether it's a show or a pay-per-view or, uh, like I said, music videos or TV shows, like I said, Boy Meets World uh, or or The Simpsons or whatever, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio, pay the nominal fee, submit your request, and we shall fulfill your request, and we'll let you jump on the show, give your thoughts about the content that we're diving deep into but tonight again king of the ring 1996 we're gonna dive all into it talk about it from every angle but before we get into that i gotta do my weekly check-in with my main man pots and pans nick Bacon. how you doing tonight my good brother
0: reality hit you hard bro they
2: got me oh man they got me they finally got you they got me jack got me the dmca got they me finally got you i'm out i'm suspended from twitter ah it sucks.
1: Now, have you gotten word whether this
2: is for good, or <laughs> is mean, this like a temporary thing? It's, I, I think it's for good. I'm, I'm going to approach it like it's for good, uh, just so at least I can start trying to reassemble <laughs> the following I had. I, I'm not even at 100 new followers yet, uh, but I just made a new account like last night, so it's going to take a while. I had 3,000 followers, and I lost them all, so... Uh, some DMCA takedown notice. I think it was, uh, it was, uh, I was like, you know, involved in a bunch of these tweets that were taken down. And apparently, you know, apparently I got suspended for good. Uh, I forget what, like, I'm trying to remember back to the email. And it was, it included, oh, it was, uh, how about this? It was the Judas song from <laughs> Fozzie. <laughs> what do you know? That did it. That did it. So, uh, <sighs> I'm, yeah, reality hit me hard, man. I'm like, I've never dealt with it. I've had the DMC takedowns before, and I've deleted tweets, but apparently, you know, this was one time yeah, was too. Playing this time, I was like, listen, I don't even know. Like, I, and it was some stupid meme. Like, somebody requested me to put that song over something. It might have been like Joe Biden running out to the podium after he, like during his election uh, speech after he got elected. Like that Saturday, I believe. When that Saturday night, he address the nation and he ran out to the podium and someone was like put you know i was doing that meme with like you know the ultimate warriors music and all that stuff and somebody was like put up the fozzy song so that might have been it but something like that really like ruins my mood not that twitter is my life but like i try to have fun there and i've said it on this podcast that i try to do the memes i just try to make people laugh and you know post links to our podcast and stuff like that and Now I gotta start all over. Luckily, our Shooter's Radio account at Shooter's Radio is not suspended, and it won't be, because (laughs) I'm not posting videos with music in them, dubbed over as a a meme, but they got me.
1: No, look, I can tell you right now, the music stuff, these music record companies, I know that's from personal experience, and I can get into details, but they don't play around with that music stuff, bro. They are on people's heels, all right? So, uh, I wonder, uh, could you possibly appeal this suspension?
2: Yeah, I mean, I went to file counterclaims, but I couldn't because I was suspended. So, then I had to send an email to, you know, I had the contact info of the last DMCA notice. So, I emailed them, and hopefully they'll rescind it, and then, you know, bring my account back. But the likelihood of that happening is probably very small. So, I'm just Gonna act like a, it'll be like a bonus if I get it back. You know, I gotta put myself in that mindset. That's the risk you take, I guess. When are doing
1: this music stuff, like I said, they people, this company is really cracking down on this music yeah, stuff. I mean,
2: I had a great Bryce Harper video from a couple seasons ago when he had a grand slam and had the Titanic music in it. That's what people love on Twitter, but the Titanic music is uh, <laughs> it's a big no no nowadays. Or, I mean, that's a man, c- c- Celine it. Dion. So, like I
1: said, they crack mm-hmm. it down recently, bro yeah like just I know. recently it was, the last it, year, it so. wasn't
2: even you know, it was within the past year that uh you know it, w- it was a tweet from two years ago that they were like oh we're gonna take that no, like, they, oh, no they'll go through
1: your whole <laughs> they will t- trust me i'm telling yeah. you they go through your whole history i'm yeah. telling you right now you, c- you should have asked me about this before <laughs> 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 i could have told you, i don't know i never said anything but no they they go through your whole history we'll talk about it more off air
2: but yeah, yeah let me tell you it sucks it sucks so hopefully uh they you guys win. listening out there you You follow my new. I won't wait till the end of the episode. It's Pacone underscore. That's it. It's not at Nick Pacone. It's just Pacone underscore, and that's where uh, you know I'll be at for the foreseeable future.
3: (laughs) Mm, mm,
2: mm, mm. (sighs) Got you. Took the money out of my sales. I was. I was did a a guest spot on the Vet Alumni podcast last night, and it was during the Sixers game. So I was watching the Sixers game. It it was one of the because I usually watch the games on mute because I get too like emotional about it so I'll watch it on mute and then I'll have something else you know with the sound on and you know because of my hit I watched the beginning to end you know with the audio and everything and it was in the middle I was like tweeting about the Sixers and then I couldn't tweet anymore and I was like what What?" (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, it was not fun and then you know they they called me and they were like yeah we tried to hit you up on Twitter and I was like yeah about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I explained to them <laughs> what happened. It literally just happened like 10 minutes before that. So, yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind last night a little bit. So,
1: yeah, I mean, they got you locked yeah. up and they won't did. let you out, man.
2: They couldn't get my clips though for King of the Ring. Can't wait. That's a shame.
1: But I I, I hope I hope it all works out for you in the long run. <laughs> well, thank you for I I you get you get your account back. Well, we got to transition out of that, Nick, unfortunately. Uh uh-huh. It's an awkward transition as we make sometimes on the podcast.
2: <laughs> That's me. That's my entire Twitter hey, account.
1: Sometimes you got to do it to yourself, man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to do, do it to yourself. I do it to myself a lot on
2: this podcast. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's 100% true. and You deserve it probably every time. <laughs> hey. You know, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> honest. I'm an honest guy. So. <laughs> but we got to make tra- make the transition to today's Deep Dive, King of the Ring 1996, again
2: 25 years ago this month, you ready to dive into this? I'm ready, I had a lot of fun actually watching this back, it's one of the few that I haven't uh, really watched back from end to end in quite a while, so... Hmm. Let's do it! Yeah, let's.
0: Warrior, created by a destiny, fulfilling a destiny, bonded by the belief... The belief that at the King of the Ring, I'm gonna kick your ass.
1: I'm sick of hearing about the beliefs of the Warriors. The King of <laughs> the that, that was the most coherent I promo the Warriors ever had.
0: Warrior <laughs> battles Jerry the King Lawler. I am already the King of the Jungle. Now, I'm going you're looking at the next king of the ring stone cold steve austin nothing is going to stop this man from being the king of the ring he's going to mow you down I expect jake roberts to leave his mark somewhere on somebody the crowning of the wwf king of the ring i've destroyed the undertaker the fattest man has to walk the world wrestling federation mankind your tormented soul will soon be mine. The Undertaker battles mankind. Return, match with the smoking guns. Sonny, you have proved your ducks to bad water.
1: We beat you once, we took the ducks. And it won't be a problem to beat you again.
0: The smoking guns battle the godwins for the WWF Tag Team Championship. That's the most revolting thing I've ever seen in my life. Get <laughs> <laughs> <Stay around> her <laughs> out of there! I'm at Johnson <laughs> Will this time, melts In my hands in my mouth. Ahmed Johnson battles gold dust <laughs> for the intercontinental title. I'm scared because I got ripped off. I should be the champion. Mr. Perfect Ram. <laughs> you got the referee you want, so you won't have any excuses when I tune up the chin music and kick your teeth down your throat. Shawn Michaels battles the British Bulldog for the WWF Championship. Tonight, it's the greatest card ever in the history of the WWF King of the Ring.
2: Oh, man. Listen. I'm excited. That was probably correct at this point. No,
1: <laughs> but that was, like, kind of confusing. I wrote that down. It's like, they said it's the greatest card in the history of the WWF King. King like, of I r- thought, <laughs> is that a comma King of the Ring? Or is no, that WWF King of the Ring? I, I
2: took it as WWF King of the Ring.
1: I, I'm, I'm assuming that was the case, but it just sounded weird. To say it's a, it did. The, the greatest card in the history of the King of the Ring. <laughs> well, they, they always the w-
2: put WWF in front of everything.
1: But you know? it's not necessary. I we know. know what we're watching. Top
2: I'm watching always it. Used to do <laughs> the WWF Royal Rumble, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, Todd.
1: Just in that sentence, it just sounded awkward. That wouldn't be something that I would write or something that I would want in the voiceover. Like, just take yeah. out the WWF part, because it can be confusing. It could. So. it could. Other than that, I thought the video package was actually pretty good.
2: Yeah, it was like a, almost all yeah. Like medieval type. They, they had that medieval theme going for a, a bit through the years, and I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, King of the Ring was one of the better aesthetic, more aesthetically pleasing pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. From, like you said, the, the royal aspect, the royal aesthetic. Uh, they had the door openers, and they had the crown above the ring, and you had, the, of course, the throne, you know, to, off to the side, and stuff like that. It was always... You know, as much as they would go above and beyond typically for like a WrestleMania or something like that, but they king of the ring, they actually did a lot for it and got into that, like you said, that royal
2: theme. Um <clears> yeah, and a put more. a real theme on it more than they would do other shows. Yeah, definitely a lot more than SummerSlam at that point and Survivor series at that point, even the Royal Rumble. So it almost became, you know, visually the number two pay per view at that point. And at least that's how I, you know, felt like watching this back at that time. And I remember I I actually forgot that we only had three, like, King of the Ring tournament matches on here because this was the first year they did the quarterfinals on their TV, their weekly TV. So not as many King of the Ring matches because you, you had, like, the big matches, you know, like Undertaker Mankind, Goldust, Ahmed Johnson, the WWF title match. Uh, uh-huh. You know, it was it was definitely stacked. So when they said that, I was like, yeah. yeah. Interesting.
1: I agree with that. Yeah. If it's the best card in King of the Ring history, just <laughs> a little confusing. But what what are you a fan of? What do you prefer? You like the quarterfinals on the pay per view, or did you like I this do. where they had the semifinals and the final?
2: I mean, clearly this pay per view was probably a lot better, given that the quarterfinals weren't on it. But I was always a fan of the tournament, so it didn't really like. I didn't realize that the quarter like I don't know. It as a fan. It wasn't really until, like, 99 or 2000 where I was like, oh, wow, like, the King of the Ring is really not about the King of the Ring anymore, it seemed like. It would always build to something else, and the King of the Ring was almost like an afterthought in a way, yeah. and they only they only had the three matches on the actual pay-per-view, so I was, like, all 93, 94, 95. I was, like, so into it with the tournament aspect, and then this year, I didn't really think about it that much, but... In subsequent years, I started thinking about it, and I I do prefer the tournament. Like, just make it the tournament. But I I guess, you know, I understood. I understand, looking back, why they would try and make that one of the big pay-per-views of the year and maybe not focus too much with throwaway tournament matches on the card that, you know, try and make more people buy it when you have stuff like Undertaker of Mankind on it. You know, people probably wanted to see that at that time.
1: Right. I get it. I mean... The problem when you have the quarterfinals on the pay-per-view itself is that you have a bunch of matches. You have four extra yeah. matches for the quarterfinals. Yeah. And because you don't want to wear anybody out, those matches are typically short. So you have a bunch of short matches, and now your show is like 10 matches deep, 12 matches deep, and there's a bunch of short nothing matches. And this is supposed to be the king of the ring. Like, this is a big deal, this tournament. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that aspect of it. So it's like you have to earn your way to get to just the pay per view, which is the semifinals and the final. I'm cool with the right. semifinals and the final being on there. Yeah. So I've, 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 I I don't hate the fact that the semifinals and the final are only are, are the only rounds on the pay per view. It's like the G one? The G one takes place over the course of. I mean, obviously, that's a little difference. A so round robin is not a um, single like, elimination, yeah. but the the G one final is where the final happens. That's that's the only time. <laughs> You know, it's the only matches on, like, that big show. All the other matches, I think, are on, like, house shows or, like, t- television tapings or whatever. I don't think... I got to look back and see, but I don't know how many G1 matches happen during, like, other major shows. It all builds up to the G1 final. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, which is pretty much, like, the second or third biggest show they have besides Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, Old Domin- I mean, not Old Dominion. That's a school here in the United States. <laughs> in Virginia. <laughs> Uh, home of uh, former school of uh, or alma mater of uh, Travis Fulghum and Rick Lovato, but uh, and, uh, Dominion Ray,
2: Ray Lowry, I believe who uh, was a former Kingsway Dragon. So, oh, there you go, good go dragons. <laughs> but Dominion
1: is like the, another big show they have, obviously. Um, but the G One Final is is a massive, it's a big show, and that sets up Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, that's the, All white. That's what the number one contender is crowned for Wrestle Kingdom. So. Back to King of the Ring, different format, but I'm not mad at the fact that they have the semifinals and the final. It's you, you get you have a chance to have these matches go longer.
2: <clears throat> yeah,
1: and you don't have to have 15 matches on the card, most of which are really short. You know, I could look yeah. back at King of the Ring '94 and see, or '95, '94 or something like that to see how many matches they had on the show. But I'd imagine it was more than what we had. Excuse me, what we had here. I mean, most of the matches were quarterfinal matches, those were, like I said, four matches, and the semifinal, the, the, and they only had two non-King of the Ring matches, exactly. so, I, you know, if if you're cool with that, if you're cool with the show being mostly King of the Ring matches, then alright, you know, but like, 94, they had 11 matches on the card, you know what I'm saying, like, and the longest King of the Ring match, according to Wikipedia, was, looks like, Eight minutes and twenty four oh, wow. seconds. Wow, was that the final? You know, the the two no, that was the, the final was six thirty five. Oh wow. <clears throat> but the first match of the King of the Ring, the first quarterfinal was eight twenty four. <laughs> the opening match you know what I'm saying, of so pay per
2: view, huh? Well that's not that the second match technically. Oh, okay. Well I like this. Unless uh, was know, Thurman
1: the- plug and Quang on the show? It doesn't look like it. I don't know. Oh, Jeez. It doesn't look like it was a dark <laughs> match. I don't know. Either way. I don't remember that match happening. I've watched I, King of the Ring 94 too recently and I don't remember that. <clears throat> but um, you know, you had 93, you had 10 matches. So, yeah. I, mean, I don't and know. And then you
2: Bret Hart and Kurt Hennig kind of sandwiched in there, which is kind of crazy to think about.
1: Right. And that was a that was a great match. Yeah,
2: which was probably like 10 minutes. <laughs> right. That was... That was the second rounder too.
1: <laughs> yeah, they had the, the King of the Ring, the quarterfinal between Bret and Razor Ramon with 10-25... Uh, Lex Luger to Tonkin with the time limit draw, fifteen minutes. Which well, is also a thing that I don't know people remember is that the King of the Ring matches were fifteen. I think fifteen minutes. But wait a minute, because <clears throat> I guess that was a quarterfinal time limit. Because the semifinal, like you mentioned, Bret Hart a Perfect that went yeah. eighteen. That was
2: almost, almost uh, okay. went nineteen minutes. Okay. Yeah, I think it might have been a twenty minute time limit then. Yeah. And the sense. final might have been like a half hour. I don't remember. Right. Off the top of my head, but
1: yeah, that only went eighteen, like eighteen minutes eleven seconds, but. So you had like 10, 11 matches on those two shows, and then on King of the Ring 96, we got eight. Yeah, that's kind of we how I th-
2: guess you get around, you know, overstacking it, you give that time limits and you actually adhere to it. And Right. Yeah.
1: So, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's it's, in, it's interesting. I, I kind of prefer it this way, because again, the match, the King of the Ring matches could be, on this night, they weren't super tremendous, but feasibly, they could be great two great matches, and really only had one pretty good one with the semifinal uh, and the other two weren't really great but feasibly you could have three great matches for the king of the ring when you get two you know two to semifinals back to back and then you have later in the show the king of the ring final so yeah feasibly but June 23rd 1996 Nick where were you <laughs> in life in June of 1996
2: I would have to say we were probably out of school by this point. You know, June twenty third. Uh, it would have been after my fifth grade year. So um, the end of my fifth grade year. Uh, I, I always remember, like in August, last week of August. We I lived close to the school, and then they would post class lists on the door, so you could like you got your teacher in the mail like the first or second week of August, but then you could go walk to the school and see who was in your class if. Like, I didn't call anyone. Like, I didn't really talk to anyone over the summer. I had, like, my neighborhood friends, and that was kind of it. I I saw maybe one or two friends each summer when I was younger. Uh, We all did, like, different things. It it was what it was. So I didn't really talk to anyone. I would go back to the school, and I would check a class list to see, like, who was in my class. And so I don't know if that was a normal thing that schools did back then, but I always felt like it was like kind of special that we got to do that. So I was at this point June 23rd, I was already wondering who was going to be in my sixth grade class at, you know in, in September. Uh, like I, I would always look forward to the next school year at the end of the school year because uh, we didn't really go anywhere. I, this summer, funny enough, we went to the Bahamas and because this was the summer of the Olympi- the Summer Olympics in Atlanta with the Olympic Park bombing. and I remember that because when we were at the Bahamas, that's when the bombing happened. Oh, wow. And my mom was taking you know like a home video of us in our hotel room because it was pouring outside, and I was watching the news. That sucks. Yeah, I was watching the news. It, it was it didn't really happen that often when we were at the Bahamas. We were there five days and it poured maybe two or three times. But that still sucks. Though I wanted to be sunny <laughs> every day, bro. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm here. It, it didn't. It didn't like. It wasn't all day, so you know it would be like it would pass through for like a couple hours, and then it'd be sunny again. So it didn't like ruin the vacation or anything like that. But I remember okay. my mom was kind of like spanning the room with the video camera, and I'm watching the news, and you know I look at the camera and I'm like, "To hear about the Olympic Park bombing at the Olympics? Like, <laughs> like yeah, of course. Like, who am I talking to? I'm talking to a camera. I, I don't know what I was trying to say, but uh, that was this pay per view would be a couple weeks before that, and I was <coughs> so afraid of you know, going, flying to Florida, and then we took a cruise to the Bahamas, I was, like, so afraid of that, because I already knew about the Titanic at this point, I was like, I don't want our boat to sink, you know, I don't want our plane to crash, I don't, like, I was just kind of afraid, because the last time we went on vacation was five years before this, before I really, like, understood, you know, bad things can happen, so... Uh, you know that was in my mind a lot around this time frame, and really, I couldn't wait for the vacation to be over. I d- I really didn't let myself enjoy being at the Bahamas five days with my family just because I was like afraid. I just wanted to be home, <laughs> like I wanted to be safe at home. So, uh, this to, in a lot of ways, I was like, "Oh, this is my last pay per view." <laughs> like in, in, in so, some facets in
1: my mind, <laughs> I'm just looking at the weather now because I'm supposed to go to Cancun for a wedding. Next yeah. weekend. Yeah. It's supposed to rain like every day that I'm oh, there right no. now. <clears throat> oh, no. And I am so upset. <laughs> like what <laughs> the hell? As soon as we get there, it's supposed to be nice and sunny and then like yeah. all next week. Right. Starting this weekend, it's supposed to be scattered thunderstorms, scattered thunderstorms. It's just
2: mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's I want it to be sucks.
1: perfect. I want to be eighty eight and sunny every day. Maybe
2: it'll change.
1: Maybe. Maybe it says all the way up until literally the day I leave. It's supposed to be scattered <laughs> thunderstorms.
2: <coughs> That's well, terrible. Well, I hope you have a good trip. And maybe, maybe uh, hey, we're gonna record two episodes, right, before you leave. That's the plan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I didn't even pay attention to the weather, so. I mean, well, it was really cool. I got my uh my hair braided when I was at the Bahamas. So you're gonna get oh. your hair braided down there?
1: Uh I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. But, you know, it is an all inclusive resort, so I'll probably be, you know, if if it is raining outside and I'm not able to spend a bunch of time on the beach, I'll just be in the resort eating and drinking <laughs> for a couple of days <laughs> having sounds, a good time. Sounds
2: so. this is good to me.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So but Where was I in 1996? I would have been seven years old in June of 1996. I guess finishing up first grade would have been. Oh, man. I guess. Yeah, first grade. Uh, You know, about to enjoy whatever summer I was having in 1996.
2: I don't know what that consisted of. did not go on a big (laughs) vacation. I know that much. Um, yeah, I mean, we took, like, vacations every five years. It wasn't, like, a every summer thing. And, like, we would go to the shore and stuff, but technically, like, a vacation to me at that age was going somewhere, like Disney World or the Bahamas. And that's the two vacations I had when I was younger, enough to remember it. And we did go to uh, Busch Gardens in Virginia as well. I do remember that, so.
1: Nice, nice. yeah, 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 I, yeah, I would probably... Actually... Oh wow. I actually moved to Southwest Philly around this time. Now that I think about it, we moved in June of nineteen ninety six from West Philly. we lived in West Philly. Uh I feel like
2: this is deja vu. I think you said this before and I was like, Oh, or like, you know, were you I you might have, yeah. In the neighborhood or something. I made like a I stupid joke to, like usual.
1: I lived in on fifty ninth and chestnut in West Philly, with not far from where I am right now actually. Um, and then we moved to Southwest Philly. Uh in uh like i said june 1996 i don't remember the exact day but it was sometime in this month uh that we moved to southwest philly and uh so yeah that's something i was doing i was in the midst of either packing up or unpacking (laughs) doing something so you you Um,
2: moved like right after the school year huh
1: i guess so yeah Uh definitely in june i don't remember i remember finishing up the school you know finishing up the school year i don't i'm i'm certain we didn't move before school ended um, uh, but yeah, did you know, so that's what removing? I was
2: doing? like, did you know you were moving, leading up to it or they were just like, Oh, hey, uh,
1: I, I remember hearing about it. Oh, I mean, okay. when you're seven, you just be in your own world sometimes.
2: No, dude, but, uh, I, moved, I moved to that South Jersey when I was six and I remember, you know, our parents telling us we're moving and I was like, okay, whatever. And like, I had literally no responsibility. I don't think I even packed my own stuff because I was <laughs> six years old right? and you know, I was just following the leader and, uh. I remember we went shopping that first night that we moved into the new house and to me it was just kind of like okay like I I don't know it's kind of funny looking back I just exactly what you said you're in your own world and I'm just like okay I'm in a new place like I didn't even really miss my friends like I knew I was gonna miss them but I was just like okay now what
1: (laughs) yeah I didn't have a bunch of friends I guess I don't remember having a bunch of friends I mean
2: I had friends in school but that was it It it's like bye (laughs) wow Yeah, you gave me that opening, though. I, I was able to I use did, it.
1: I didn't have a bunch of friends in the neighborhood. I guess. I mean, I just had friends in school, and that was it. I was like, again, I was only seven, so it's really hard to make a a bunch of. I mean, you could have some friends, I guess, but you don't. You're not friends. Wow. <laughs> now I feel like I'm being attacked. Now I feel like I'm being attacked. Made fun of over here, but um. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess you know how much time do you have to make friends when you're six or seven years old? You know, you have lifelong. Man, I, I guess you could have lifelong friendships <laughs> when you're six or seven. Your life isn't that long, but, but. but
2: everything like your parents have to make it a line for you. Is it's very rare where you know, like I had two best friends on my neighborhood before I moved, and I don't talk to them anymore. I mean, that's just how it is. And I visited them right. maybe once or twice after we moved, and then it was just kind of like, okay, we don't have time for that. <laughs> like are right. like forty minutes away. It's like,
1: right, not going back to the old hood, <laughs> hanging out with your, you know, your little kitty friends. You gonna make new friends, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You will make new friends, or so. just
2: stay home and watch wrestling. <laughs>
1: there you go, could do that. Have your friends on TV,
2: Survivor Series 9. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk Hogan, he's my friend, he's my best friend. My be- he's my best friend. Yeah, <laughs> Survivor Series '91. That was the first uh, pay per view. By the way, that was in my new house that I watched. I did mm. not tape it. I think we uh, we actually did not deep dive that one, but uh, you know maybe this year we will. But that was the first uh, pay per view of my new new Adobe.
1: Mm. Yeah, we did War well, Rumble '91, not Survivor Series '91. Yeah. But maybe, like you said, maybe later this year we'll do it. So uh since it'll be what thirty years since that show
2: just oh, crazy yeah
1: thirty years
2: we'll get the undertaker on maybe
1: <laughs> I'm telling about the words blue lives matter flag or whatever blue lives matter shirt stupid ass shirt um <clears throat> but on this night june twenty third nineteen ninety six king of the ring nineteen ninety six emanated from the mecca arena in Milwaukee. That arena still stands to this day. It is now known as the UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena. Home, of course, to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee Panthers basketball team. Uh, It's a former home of the Milwaukee Bucks before they moved out of there into a bigger, more lavish uh, arena. But yeah, the Bucks played there for a long time. It's like one of those old buildings we talk about, like the Omni, uh, the Spectrum uh, like Greensboro Coliseum, like before arenas started getting uh, you know, naming rights with banks and stuff like that you know, every arena has like a bank or Dunkin Donuts or something Yeah, it was like these cool names, like the Mecca like the Spectrum, like the Omni like, just a cool name you know, Maple Leaf Garden uh, Gardens, plural, Boston Garden, singular, you still have Madison Square Garden, cause that's just, that cachet alone yeah. It's just, yeah you know, you don't sell that. You know, that's people want to see Madison Square Garden. They, they would, they
2: would, or it would change to something like a bank arena
1: at Madison Square
2: Garden. Like to, yeah, s- it'll mess it up.
1: Still, but the Madison Square Garden sells itself. You don't need exactly. I mean, I guess if you really hard up for cash. You gotta, but I don't ever see it, foresee that happening to Madison Square Garden. But uh, Great Western Forum, you know, where the Lakers used to play. I'm trying to think of other arenas that just had great names. Of course, stadiums had. This, it was the same way, you know, Veteran Stadium, Three Rivers Stadium. Um, but it's like in wrestling; there was, they used to have a lot of buildings like that. They would run, and the Mecca was one of one of them. Um, it's a great, great name for a building. Uh, the attendance in this night, according to good old Wikipedia, eight thousand seven hundred and sixty-two. Uh, I don't know if that was a sellout or not, but that's who was there according to Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, Again, this show is mostly remembered for really one thing, and that is the promo that Steve Austin cut after winning the King of the Ring tournament. Spoiler, that's your 1996 King of the Ring winner. (laughs) But the funny thing is, is that that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for something that happened about a little little more than a month prior Mm. at Madison Square Garden, Uh. right? Madison Square Garden. We had Shawn Michaels and Triple H or Hunter Hearst Helmsley at that point, Diesel and Razor Ramon all posing together and hanging out, being buddy-buddy when, you know, at least one of those guys were heels and, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and I'm, I guess Diesel was a, it's a heel because he was going against Shawn Michaels in that match and the other two were babyfaces and Razor Ramon, I think Razor Ramon was a babyface at that point yep, and yep. Shawn Michaels is definitely a babyface because <laughs> he was a champion. So they're breaking kayfabe. Not only are they breaking kayfabe in front of the fans; they're breaking kayfabe in Madison Square Garden, which is like the home of the McMahon family. It's like their home turf, right? Yeah. So that could not go unpunished, right? Because all everybody backstage lost their minds. You know, you could hear look up any interview where Jim Ross or Jim Cornette or even other wrestlers that were there. They were all like, "What the hell is this?" <clears throat> you know, and Miss McMahon was like, "All right, I got to do something." So. There was a problem with that, though, because Diesel and Razor Ramon, better known as, you know, you know, the real names, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, they were leaving WWE, so he couldn't punish them, because that was, like, their last night, and then Shawn Michaels was the champion. At that point, he was pretty much the golden goose. You know, he was a guy. Even though WWF wasn't necessarily, the business was a booming, but he was still their top draw, right? That left Triple H, Hunter Hearst hemsley that's the fall guy <laughs> okay he was left holding the bag <clears throat> and his one of his i guess punishments was that well he was supposed to win 1996 king of the ring well that went out the window because of the curtain call and he was essentially stripped of that opportunity and turned into a jobber for the better part of the year after that even on this show he was just in a dark match so we talk about going from the penthouse to the outhouse he went from winning the tournament, potentially, to not even being on the pay per view. He was in a dark match. Congratulations. You played yourself, at least in the short yeah. term.
2: What is crazy to me is that he won that dark match. Like, why? Why? why like, you just have to lose. Like, I don't. That's fair, but it's weird. who cares when you're supposed to win <laughs> King of the Ring? <laughs> like, yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> you know, who gives a damn at that point? Like,. I'm sure he wasn't, I'm sure they told him, hey, you're going to win King of the Ring. he's like, yeah. And then on this night, he's like, man, I'm not even on this
2: show. <laughs> like, not, not even on the free-for-all, The like the free-for-all match. Happened, he was like but, like right. before, and then I guess they went to do their whatever on TV. And then he was wrestling Aldo Montoya, like in front of nobody on, on TV, at least. Right. And he beat
1: Aldo Montoya.
2: <laughs> okay. Because I guess they wouldn't have him lose to Aldo Montoya,
1: but. That's the only person he probably would have beaten at this point. Hey, this hey, we saw Aldo Montoya on
2: this pay per view. Did you catch him? We did. Okay. We did. We're going oh, to talk okay. about
1: it. We'll talk about it later. But Triple H went from the penthouse to the outhouse.
2: He, he was on the pay per view, and Triple
1: H wasn't. It? That's hilarious. Right? <laughs> like I'm saying, it was bad. It was bad, and it would get. It was continued to be bad for Hunter Harris Helmsley. He bounced back, obviously. <laughs> What's he doing now? A world champion. What he fourteen <laughs> times. 14-time world champion beating everybody you can think of. Oh, and by the way, he's like the COO or something like that of the company. Running the running the developmental promotion, you know, the territory. So, you know, he, he he's not right. But in 96, he was, in the, he, was, he was down bad in 96, as they say. He was down bad. So, there was a voice. Somebody had to win, right? Well, in step Steve Austin. He's the guy. He was the next man up to win the tournament. And the rest, as they say... Is history. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, the poster for this event featured <laughs> the ultimate warrior. Crazy enough, this was his final WWE pay-per-view match. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll tell you, man. I was all worried up at this time, too.
1: I mean, I don't blame you.
2: I'm still in my childhood. I'm still, you know, young enough, about 10, 10 years old at this point. You know, a little bit of the last time I saw him really was when I was seven or eight. Like, yeah, it's a big deal to me. I mean, he looked good. I liked his new tights. Like, it, it looked like he was changing, like, getting more edgy with his different tights and stuff. I was like, yeah, Warrior. I guess. He's my
1: guy. He had the jackets. The jackets were kind of cool. Yeah, they were cool. And the, like, a the little blonde, shift.
2: More blonde hair and stuff like that. And I just was like, yeah. And they put him in a prominent spot in, on this pay-per-view and at the end. So... Why wouldn't I be all warriored up?
1: Hey, you weren't alone. The fans went crazy when he came out later on. So, uh, so that's just how it was. You know, war still over in '96, but after the show, he would not appear on a WWE pay per view <laughs> again until 2014, <laughs> WrestleMania 30. That's wild. Yeah,
2: surprised Vince didn't put the belt on him. <laughs> no, 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 he works.
1: That would have been tragic, given the fact that he died <laughs> <laughs> the next oh, well, day, pretty yeah. much a day two later. Yeah, Can you imagine <laughs> you piss the belt on at WrestleMania and he dies two days later. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess we got to have a Gold Rush tournament to crown a new yeah. WWE champion now. It's messed up, man. <sighs> but yeah, eighteen years went by until you appeared on another. WWE pay-per-view, but you know, this is a landmark show, again, because of Steve Austin, but again, no one really talks about anything else, no one really talks about Mankind and Undertaker, which was, at the time, a big match, you know, no one talks about stuff like that, or Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog, which was pretty much the feud, uh, you know, that they had going, the big feud of their summer, up until Vader and SummerSlam with Shawn Michaels and Vader, so... You know yeah this is that's that's the interesting part but we're gonna talk about everything else surrounding the show but we open the show with vince mcmahon and jim ross on the call they are joined by the slammy award-winning owen hart who of course is the 1994 king of the ring winner and he comes out in his tuxedo and here he is I love that song. W-W-F
2: oh yeah, they it's very, very jaunty and funky.
0: It's
2: definitely not a heel theme. <laughs> no, I'm dancing. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: <laughs> give me that. I want to give you my expertise. Come on, let's get on with the show. Owen Hart will be joining us for commentary, here we go, anything can
1: happen. (laughs) Anything can happen. Of course, again, Owen Hart, 1994, King of the Ring winner, Uh, I'm going to ask you later on who some of your favorite King of the Rings, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Give you a heads up now. Owen Hart has to be one of the best King of the Rings though. Uh, Looking
2: back, absolutely.
1: Right. Kings of the Ring, not King the King of the Rings, <laughs> not multiple <laughs> rings, multiple kings, multiple kings, <laughs> not multiple rings,
2: <laughs> no, that was WCW,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, World War Three, of course, yeah. and Fall Brawl, oh, yeah, war games, of course, of course, uh, first match of the night, King of the Ring semi-final, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, he's not the ringmaster anymore, he's just Stone Cold Steve Austin. Going against the Wild Man Mark Mero, and the first thing I noticed is that I forgot how cool we talked about it a little bit earlier—that the King of the Ring stage was and the aesthetic, you know, with the door openers and stuff like that. Uh, I thought that was dope. That was always a, a cool touch to me. Obviously, I paid a couple guys to open the doors, but um, that they you know they stopped doing. I think the next year, uh, I don't I don't recall. I, haven't, I don't think I've ever seen King of the Ring '97 and all the way through. Oh wow! That's how I I I've seen this seen. show obviously. Okay, Okay. Okay. I've seen this show multiple times, but uh, I don't recall 97, but interesting fact that the year prior Matt Hardy was one of the door openers <laughs> at King of the Ring and he was, him and Jeff was doing jobs in WWF when I think they were like 16, 17 years old on TV doing jobs, I don't think nobody knew that they were under 18 uh, getting asses whipped every week Not me, um, that's for sure Alright <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mark Merrill beat Owen Hart in the quarterfinals to get to this match. How about that? Right, and Owen Hart was on commentary, upset and giving his explanation about why he attacked Mark Merrill after the match. He said he slipped off, he went to congratulate him (laughs) and he slipped off the ring apron. When in reality, he jumped off the ring apron and hit that man over the head with his cast. (laughs) But according to Owen Hart, (laughs) he slipped in in, in the midst of congratulating him and hit him in the head just by accident. It was
2: so. so funny, and he was so much more over the top than somebody like Bobby Heenan would be, uh, just because like he he does it like physically, like he's in there and he's coming back, like he's out of action now because he like I think it was a legit broken arm at this point, but uh, luckily he was still able to be on camera and stuff and provide great commentary on this night and. Just stuff like that. Just like I went to congratulate him and be a good sport, and I slipped off the apron. Like, just it's so funny looking back. You know, as as a kid watching that, I'm like, whatever Owen, you liar! But <laughs> like, <it's>, I, <laughs> liar. Appreciate, I appreciate it so damn much right now. It's so great. Yeah, it's always great
1: when the heels blatantly lie about stuff like that. Like,
2: he went to congratulate uh, him. It's my that's my favorite. Right. That might be my favorite Owen Hart lie ever. Like, I went to congratulate him. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he had quite a few doozies on this night but that might be right up there at the top for me
1: yeah him talking about gold dust you know, we passed it up in the back you know and all that <laughs> yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it's just, just a lot of silly stuff Owen Hart was doing uh, besides the whole Lothario stuff you're saying all them, uh, dirty old Mexican or something like that oh man I missed that <laughs> one. Yeah, you missed that yeah, yeah I was like damn uh, that was racist <laughs> but Owen Hart was fantastic on this night. Um, (laughs) It's funny to watch this match in hindsight because you see Steve Austin doing everything he possibly can to be a heel. (laughs) And, you know, he's doing everything, including this match. He's arguing with the officials. He's, you know, doing all the little heel stuff, doing the classic bad guy tactics, rolling out of the ring, calling a timeout, you know, when (laughs) Merrill gets a little bit of momentum. And it's just funny to think, like, he did everything, everything, to a T. He followed the heel playbook, right? The handbook to being a bad guy in wrestling. He followed every single step, and the people just didn't want that. They just <laughs> like, nope, we're cheering you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it.
2: We're hitching our wagon to you, man. You can do whatever the hell you want, but we're cheering your ass.
1: <laughs> right. The more, the more the, the more bad he was, the more of a villain he was, the more they cheered him. <laughs> if anything, so uh, Austin dominated the majority of this match, uh, but at one point he gets kicked in the mouth. I think it
2: happened when Merrill did the roll-up spot. Yep. same exact move that he beat Owen with. Uh, right, and uh, yeah, that's he kicked him right in the mouth.
1: Right, because a lot of times you you hear Austin talking about that on like WWE like videos, like documentaries or whatever, and they show. Meryl flipping out of the ring onto him. But it didn't happen there. That's is when WWE got a good shot, a close up shot of Steve Austin's mouth, and you can mm-hmm. see that it was busted. Yep. You know, and it had, you know, it was bleeding. But it happened, like you said, on that on that roll-up spot and he got kicked in the mouth. So keep that in mind. Uh but Austin won that did a pretty good match. Uh he did like a a unique power bomb, like hot yeah. shot power bomb spot on the ropes, yep. which I had never seen before. And I'm surprised no one else has really taken that and tried to do it. Like it did, like it wasn't like the slingshot like Tully Blanchard used to do when he suplexed a guy into the ropes and slingshot him back into the ring. That was his finish. Uh, it was like he picked him up for a power bomb and just like kind of dumped him over his head into the ropes. Which I Was like, oh,
2: okay, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I was like, oh man, that doesn't seem like a that doesn't seem like a heel move. It seems like a. It didn't even seem like an Austin move at the time, and like I, like you said, I'd never really seen him do that. Never really seen that done anywhere. Uh, I don't. Right. I don't really like. I had, hadn't been watching Nitro that much at this point, so I don't know if the cruiserweights were really there doing their thing yet at this time, June '96. You know, like I, it, it might have been around the same time, but yeah, that's a move that I would typically see like in a cruiserweight match, not in a Stone Cold Steve Austin match.
1: Right, and like I said, I've seen this show before, but I don't remember that spot. Yeah, uh, me neither. Uh, That's why match.
2: I made a note of it, too. How funny is that? Right,
1: and again, awesome back then, you gotta remember, before the neck injury, especially really before he became Stone Cold, I think he changed the style a little bit to be Stone Cold, to be a little bit more of a brawler, and then after he broke his neck, he became a brawler, like, full-fledged. But there's a reason why they made made him the ringmaster and the master of the rings because he could really work. Like he was a real like a, he was like a worker's worker. Yeah, like he's among those guys who's like a great hand in the ring, as they say. Uh, who would probably like pull off some unique moves here and there and do the chain wrestling and stuff like that. Submission holds. Remember his his finish was the the million dollar dream. Now obviously that was gifted to him by Ted DiBiase, but you know again he was the master of the ring, master technician. Speaking so of that,
2: Ted DiBiase. You see what they're bringing back.
1: Oh, the million dollar championship in a yeah, ladder match. Yeah. How about that? How about it?
2: NXT. How about it? Good for NXT. The, I'm kind of intrigued with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm down for that. I don't know if they need another championship. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, they have uh, the, the North Senate? American
2: title, but uh, yeah. And they got,
1: remember, they got two tag titles now. They got the women's titles yeah. and the, uh, the men's title, obviously. Um. Which I was just like why can't they just have the women's tag titles on the main roster just be defended on all the shows but they could even like, that do was the, the men's. intention
2: just do the men's and women's like all across all three shows that would be so much I mean, better for each tag division but
1: you're probably right I can see that I'd be down for that because n- n- not no brand has enough tag teams to support its own division right right NXT included-hmm I mean I think you know a couple years ago we would have said differently right but now that's not really the case like I they don't have a bunch of great tag teams. Uh, they have more people at their disposal they can probably put together and make a tag team to put on TV. But, yeah, yeah I'll be down for if... <sighs> it's interesting because is NXT on the same level as Raw SmackDown then?
2: I just... No, but, I mean... I think if you're really... Th- you can have tag team matches that mean something without the titles involved. Uh, you can have they like I, I feel, do not, but they yeah they don't right now, uh, and they've been missing that for what twenty years at this point. Like I just don't I don't know if they're ever gonna go back to it, but I would love to see it as a fan. Like uh, mm. you don't need tag titles, especially those tag titles, <laughs> those ugly tag titles, uh, on uh, each yeah. each show or at least on Raw and SmackDown, but. Um, You know, have a Raw tag team head to NXT for a title match one week and then two weeks later have like a SmackDown team head to NXT for like a number one contender spot like uh, that type of stuff. uh, Like you help so much talent when you do it that way. Uh, And I think introducing tag titles to every single brand is kind of just hindering a lot. Like it's not the way they made the brand extension work in like 2002, 2003, 2004 with, you know, creating you know, more opportunities for people is not working the way it is in no. 2021.
1: No, if anything, people are getting fired. Yeah. People are losing their jobs, losing their opportunities. Um, but back on this night, uh, Steve Austin wins and stunner. he advances after the stunner, uh, because, you know, Meryl is selling the neck injury after the, like, the hot shot powerbomb thing to the ropes. Um, And Steve Austin picks up the win to advance to the final to the king of the ring. But he had to go immediately straight to the hospital after the match because, again, he busted his lip and he had to get stitched up. So he heads off to the hospital. But apparently this is Mark Merrill's first loss in WWE. Yeah. I forgot about that, too.
2: That's crazy. I mean, he'd only been in there, what, two or three months. But (laughs) it's kind of crazy to think about because he debuted at WrestleMania. but. Uh, yeah, they pushed him strong. I thought it was weird. Like they called the Wild Man. He Usually would come out with like the histrionics and everything with Sable, but he just kind of strolled to the ring. You know, like no pandering to the fans, not not like none of that stuff today. Like that today, this pay per view. So yeah, it was almost mm. like yeah, I'm just here. Like I'm gonna lose, whatever. I'm just kind of <laughs> okay, Mark. <laughs> come on, okay, Mark. I didn't see that Wild Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, take it easy. Uh, After the match, we get a promo with Doc Hendricks and Jake Roberts, which is, in hindsight, more legendary than we realized at the time. (laughs) And because Roberts is talking all these biblical terms about his match against Vader, which is the other King of the Ring semifinal. Again, Jake Roberts talking in biblical terms to Doc Hendricks, who, of course, is Michael Hayes. This promo is super important in history. Given you know what happened in you know after the fact, so it set up everything that's going to happen with Steve Austin later on in this night. Yeah. But moving on with the other King of the Ring semifinal, we got Vader versus Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts coming into this was essentially the sentimental favorite. His his drug and alcohol issues were now part of the storyline in WWE, and it was like a part of his comeback story. Uh, and they were talking about him. Like he was this old, super old guy, you know, <laughs> despite the fact that he was only 41 at that point, which is like a spring chicken in WWE in certain, mm-hmm. certain cases, yeah. like <laughs> 41, but even in pro wrestling terms, if you're at 41, you're still not necessarily out of your prime yet. Uh, I know that's like, that's probably the case in all the other major sports, but not quite yet. Maybe you're nearing the end of your peak and of your prime, but at 41, you know, you're still in a pretty good spot, <laughs> typically. Mm-hmm a pretty good spot, but, you know, drug and alcohol didn't help Jake Roberts, I would imagine, Uh, but, yeah, he was, like, the sentimental favorite because of uh, that, and, of course, again, his drug and alcohol issues, but to get to the semifinal, Roberts had to beat Triple H and Justin Hawk Bradshaw, (laughs) two former WWE, two uh, eventual WWE champions. How about that? Two
2: Hall of Famers. Two Hall of Famers. I'm sure Triple H will be a Hall of Famer at some point. But. Yes,
1: yes, he will. He will. He will.
2: But JBL just winning this year, I believe, right? Yeah.
1: But at this point, he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw, which is <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Why do they have to call him Hawk? I guess it be mean, Justin Bradshaw or Ho- maybe Hawk Bradshaw.
2: Uh, you don't want to get you know him confused with Hawk of LOD now.
1: Well, don't call him Hawk at all, then.
2: I'm just saying. That's what Vince will tell you. Don't call him Hawk at how, all. How are people going to know he's not Hulk from LOD? Let's put Justin and Bradshaw around Hawk.
1: <laughs> right, perfect. I was like, call him Hawk Bradshaw. Was, was, was LOD even in WWE at this point? No,
2: they were. They w- they wouldn't be back for another year, less than a little less so, than a year. But
1: yeah, because they were at WrestleMania 13, right? Yeah. The Chicago Street Fight, something yep. like that.
2: That's like when they just so, got back.
1: Justin Hawk Bradshaw. That's stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> the match was what it was. It wasn't but much. Bader, to it. By the way, Vader beat
2: Ahmed Johnson to get here. Oh, he did. He, well, fr- I think did Owen Hart first. help him? He did, but uh, it was Ahmed's first. I wrote. I was obviously supposed to write first pinfall loss, but I accidentally wrote pinball.
1: So Pin- it's Al- <laughs> Ahmed's hey. first
2: pinball loss.
1: <laughs> you know Ahmed Johnson and his pinball skills, bro. <laughs> Off the charts, putting the machine on till every time.
2: So when I take notes, sometimes I I use Google Docs and then I just convert it to a PDF. So I'm just reading it for the first time. Usually I fix my mistakes, but that just I had to (laughs) talk about it because that just made me laugh.
1: Ahmed Johnson, not don't don't
2: have a whole bunch of pinball losses to
1: his name. (laughs) I'm going to twist (laughs)
2: it. My favorite part of this, by the way, was uh, Jr. calling Owen out for, you know, cheating and no one says he thinks too much. JR, you think too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think too much. <laughs> oh, so Stop great. paying attention so much. <laughs> uh, the match was, like I said, really short. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Roberts wasn't, I guess, in the best of shape at this point. So he didn't really go for too long. Uh, but he goes with the DDT and hits it. But in the midst of hitting the DDT, Vader shoved the referee out of the way, which disqualified him. Which is kind of an odd finish, Good. but it was a way it was a way to beat Vader without having him get pinned because eventually he was going to challenge Shawn Michaels for the WWF title at SummerSlam. I think he was going to win until Shawn Michaels put up a fuss and did not and that did not happen. Yeah. But if, you know, this, I guess there's a way to like I said, get Vader out of this match, losing this match and uh, without getting pinned. After the match, Vader attacked Jake Roberts, hit him with a Vader bomb. And, you know, Vader, Roberts, I should say, gets carried off and he's all hurt. His ribs are broken. Oh, no. <laughs> but I would have, like, it's funny how, like, I think I can take myself back. Let's like, say if I was 32 back in 1996, which means I would have been kind of old by now, <laughs> well into my 50s. I, I feel like I would have booked this tournament to be like, okay, we got Vader here. They're clearly setting him up for a title match at some point. Vader wins the tournament. Right? I wouldn't have thought about Steve Austin. It's <laughs> right? the same damn thing. Steve Austin would have been an afterthought. We could get him something later. He'd have been right. the next 97 King of the Ring. <laughs> right? But Vader needs to win this tournament, beat Mark Marrow in the final. Because you got to be the babyface, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So Mark Marrow would have beat Steve Austin. And then he goes on to SummerSlam and challenges Shawn Michaels. You go from there, I would have probably had him beat Shawn Michaels too. But that would have probably how I would have booked it going in. You know, that's my wrestling fandom booking, you know, fantasy booking type of uh, prediction would have been back in 1996. But this is how they did it. It worked out in the end. They got the biggest <laughs> star in in the business. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest stars ever coming out of it. But I think heading in, I probably would have booked it that way.
2: Which is, I'm wondering, because the previous year, that's how they went with Mabel. When Mabel won the King of the Ring, he boom, went to SummerSlam, and that was it. Like,
1: And they did it with Owen Hart 94.
2: Yeah, which I I don't – they didn't even have in your house, by the way. So, yeah, Owen Hart. Then you had, like, nothing in July. And then uh, come August, you had the steel cage match with Bret Hart. So, I don't know if that was supposed to – like, it it wasn't something that where they're like, oh, the winner of the king of the ring faces the WWF champion. In 95, I don't know if that was part of it like i don't remember honestly and even you know 96 it really wasn't part of it obviously because still closely Steve austin won but if you did it with 95 with mabel like it would just make sense to do it with vader but then i'm thinking maybe they already had the plan for the july in your house was vader pinning sean michaels and that was gonna be the real catalyst for vader's title shot because he actually right. pinned the champion uh, instead of like winning a tournament, maybe in their mind they're like, all right, let's see who else we can build at the same time that we yeah. have Vader going. So I mean it's kinda like I-, I thought the same thing. Like my wrestling fandom, it just makes sense to book Vader, especially what he did at the previous year with Babel. Like why not just go back to that? But uh, you know, whoever decided to change that course and go with Austin, obviously, you know, it worked out like you said. <laughs> right. It worked, worked out, out just a end. little bit.
1: It worked out just fine. But I think they didn't really do this, you know, going forward. They didn't, like you said, they didn't have the King of the Ring winner get a title shot at SummerSlam. For whatever reason, that just wasn't it. Even though they have Royal Rumble winner gets a title shot at WrestleMania. I think it could have made it a tradition to where the King of the Ring winner is not only the King of the Ring, which is, you know, some faux title to have, and they just usually make a guy wear a crown for a long time, as King Corbin, uh, and, and King Barrett, and King Booker, you know, <laughs> all the other kings. <laughs> Um it could have been something more. And they did it like once with Brock. Yeah. Brock won King of the Ring in O two and he went to SummerSlam and got the title shot. And that was like the whole thing. Like he was because he won King of the Ring, he got the title shot. Which they didn't really have to have him win King of the Ring, like to win and get a title shot. That was Brock Lesnar.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know why they suddenly did it then. And I don't know, was there another King of the Ring pay per view after that? I think O no. two was the last no, one. That was
2: the last one. Yep.
1: So it wasn't necessary. They didn't do it in 01 or 2000 or, you know, other su- subsequent, you know, King of the Rings. Why did they do it in 02 for Brock? I think they should have did it anyway. I think they should have did it every year. You know, I just don't think that, like, if, if it wasn't necessary for Vader, why the hell would it have been necessary for Brock Lesnar? It's less necessary for Brock. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, even less necessary.
2: Like, I Like, you didn't need
1: credibility.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, he did for me, though, because... I was almost like done with wrestling at that time, and I was like, "Oh, great! Like another." And I think I said this before: like another muscle up guy coming in and get the spotlight, blah blah blah. I didn't know how talented Brock was. I was just like, "Oh, they're bringing in somebody big just because he looks big." I'm, I'm that I really wasn't into it, so I didn't really watch Raw that much. I wasn't watching much of SmackDown, uh, but. And then when Brock won, I was like, oh, here we go. And then he won the title, and I'm like, here we go. But then I got back into it because I was like, damn, Brock's good. <laughs> so I, it yeah. wasn't for me in that time period, I guess. I don't think I was really in the majority, but I definitely wasn't like a Brock guy. So maybe uh, they felt that they needed that extra push you know, for him, especially when he just right. debuted in what, June or something like that. So. No, he debuted or after the WrestleMania. May. Yeah, well, it was after WrestleMania. I don't know why I said June, but yeah. <laughs> all
1: right but again, I don't think it was. If, like I said, if it wasn't necessary for Vader, why why would it be necessary for Brock to have to win King of the Ring? But know. whatever. Uh, so yeah, Roberts, Jake Roberts wins the match and moves on to face Stone Cold Steve Austin. We got a Coliseum video exclusive. After the match, which I guess this didn't air. I would assume this didn't air in their actual pay per view. This is only on the coliseum video release, which I believe that's what all the pay per views that are on WWE Network slash Peacock. That's the 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 version they have. Is the home video release, not the actual pay per view. Uh, So if you watching these, we've seen this before in like WWE Network. You see coliseum video stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting to think about that that they had the home video copies and not the live version. Which, I mean, I guess it's easier to store, easier to yeah. keep track of and whatnot, but uh, yeah. easier to not store, but uh, log and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Catalog. <laughs> catalog, yeah, catalog or, yeah, you know, all the content. Uh, I forget, I, catalog is a good word for it, though, yeah. <laughs> there's another word I was looking for, I, but oh, come we'll on. go with that. That was a
2: good word. No, I said that, that was one. a good word. I'm <laughs> just
1: saying there's another word I was looking
2: for, but we'll we'll stick with that. By the way, the Vader time on the front or the back of his sights? What do you like better? <laughs> Where was it on this night? I don't
1: remember. It was, in the front. It was on the and front. And the WWF okay. was in the front. Yeah.
2: But it was, WCW, it was in the yeah, back. It was on the back. It's so stupid. <laughs> I, hate, I hated it on the back. I think I think it's better in the front. Yeah. Me I too. think it's
1: better in the front because who has like the best part of their gear on the back? Yeah.
2: It's just
1: Yeah. No, I take that back because like Shawn Michaels would have like his name on the back or. The Rock. I guess we had both sides. Yeah, but like his,
2: his get-up, it, it was just weird Like seeing it, it on the back, Vader time. It's like, no. It's it looks better, better on the front. front. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't talk about that, though. <laughs> w- like, which was that. better? They made Vader better because it they looked, had it on the front.
1: <laughs> he had it on the front, and he had the dope-ass theme music, too, yes, that Jim Johnston yes. made. It's like, whew. That was heat, that Vader theme song. Yeah. So, uh, But he's in backstage with Jim Cornette, and they're going crazy backstage, and <laughs> <laughs> Jim Cornette is angry and he grabs Jim Cornette and he's like, oh, oh, don't no worry, big man, I'll take care of it. <laughs> he's all scared. Jim Cornette in his ugly ass suit. Uh, that was never the that was never the wave. That suit. I'm gonna say that was like I guess part of the gimmick. He's a heel and he wears ugly suits, but whoo! Trifling suit. <laughs> that was. Uh, but moving on. We have WWF Tag Team Championship. We got the Godwins challenging the smoking guns Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) the peak of tag team wrestling is here let me tell you we got the god coming out with hillbilly jim
2: and a pair of goats i gotta tell you man that theme that they dub over for the god oh god it's terrible i absolutely hate every it i hate it with every fiber of my being
1: it's awful and that's and also because their actual theme song wasn't was pretty good actually don't go messing with the current yeah, boy like,
2: like you know they're taking away audio of like commentary too I was like what am I missing right now damn it because <laughs> it's <there's laughs> right. dub over like damn it and also was that
1: not their song like
2: did Jim Johnson not
1: make that song I guess no I, uh,
2: maybe not yeah I would because their
1: I songs so. are on those shows like all the stuff that he made that, that WWF made is on the shows so that's like the only song I can recall on the show that's being dubbed over even the terrible Steve Austin song is on here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very dramatic and you know, epic song that he had. It Was just
2: you know, yeah, but we'll hear the, the start of it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: the the Godwins was the Godwins' music was bad on the show. Uh, one strange thing about all of this was that Sonny was backstage before the match interviewing. You know, with the smoking guns. She's managing the smoking guns at this point. She was managing the Godwins, but she turned on the Godwins to, to go with the smoking guns. He'd eventually Jezebel. turn on the smoking guns, too. Yeah. What's what's that? That Jezebel. <laughs> oh, that's a Jim Ross was saying. Yeah. <laughs> um But then they asked her about the Body Donna's who she formerly managed, with you know, her I believe husband at that point, Chris Candido, and Tom Pritchard, the Body Donna's. Uh, and they have a new manager named Cloudy. <laughs> Cloudy was clearly a man in drag. Or, you know, you know, you could say, you know, trans. But I guess for this purpose, it's just a man in drag. But everybody was referring to Cloudy as if it was a she. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll go trans. We'll go she. <laughs> uh, they never fully explain what the character is supposed to be. But they also refer to Cloudy as a she. Uh, apparently, the character was played by a friend of Chris Candido, who is a uh independent wrestler. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy Shoulders. Seems, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Shoulders, which is a strange name. I guess he had big shoulders. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, but Sonny seemed so disgusted by her, and everybody was like, oh, so repulsed. And it's like, this would not age well 25 years later.
2: No. Because it's
1: very anti trans. which is not very- good.
2: Confused 10 year old Nick very much. Um, oh, I'm sure it did. You know, the way they explained it, I was like, wait, that looks like a man to me. And the way they explained around it. And then I didn't even like the way they spelled cloudy was not like C L O U D Y. It was like started with a K and ended with an I or something. And I was, I didn't even put it together that it was the opposite of sunny. Like cloudy. Uh huh. <sighs> I did not <laughs> even put it together until like. Years later, I was like, "Oh, cloudy!" <laughs> now I get it. Ah. That's how ridiculous this whole thing was, and confusing it made me. Like, I didn't even and, think and it was sh- like the opposite of sunny. Like, uh, and short-lived, right? Yes, <laughs> very, very short-lived.
1: Very short-lived. But Thankfully. they thought enough of this to have cloudy Cutter promo during the match for no reason. I don't know why they had to do it during the match.
2: I don't, I don't either.
1: <laughs> what were they, they what were they trying to accomplish here?
2: I don't know. I guess if you didn't watch the free for all when the body donors were on there you you missed it. I missed and here it. Here we go. I missed it. I mean I didn't watch the free for all either, but I was looking at uh you know Wikipedia and they listed that as a free for all match, so apparently yeah. they were yeah, on. Yeah, we it.
1: didn't we didn't see it. They don't have free for all the WWE network or on Peacock, I should say. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> no it's not. When we're, we're all right. <laughs> we're okay. Uh, I wonder. I mean I know they got Sunday Night Heat on on the network but do they have the Sunday Night Heats before pay-per-views? I, uh
2: I don't know. I never really looked at them. I mean they I think I looked at the one before Breakdown. Was it Breakdown or Judgment Day? I I looked I don't I, look at the up. last few years. Yeah, I looked the uh, last few years. The last few months I believe I believe they do. So it's interesting. That. It'd
1: be a good it'd be a way to like go back and if you're watching a pay-per-view and there was a Sunday Night Heat before the pay-per-view, watch the heat and then watch yeah. the pay-per-view. Yeah. I just looked up Sunday Night Heat on Peacock, it's not there. Maybe just type what, Heat? What's not? Okay, they oh, got heat. Okay, it's, I just, not on Peacock. it's not Sunday Night Heat, it's just Heat. Um so let's see here. They have a bunch, okay, big, big fan of that
2: show. I mean, if they had the first one, it was the first one in uh the one before Summerslam, right? It was like, uh, well, I guess technically it'd be like the fourth or fifth one, because they originally were going to run it in August '98, and then nothing else, and then it mm. people loved it so much that they just made it. So they do apparently have the one before the Royal Rumble nice. in
1: '99. They have the one. They have halftime heat. Obviously, that's you know. Ah, there we go. And it looks like they do have like the one before St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I'm gonna have to repost um, that
2: halftime heat. <laughs> I guess point. they
1: have one. They don't have the one. They have the one before, it looks like, WrestleMania, I think. Um, They also have one with Kurt Angle. Is Tiger Ali singing Kurt Angle on March 7, 1999? <laughs> okay. Oh, now I'm looking at the thumbnail. It's Kurt Angle in the ring with an American flag. Um, Okay, yeah, they had the, the heat before WrestleMania 15. Which we did not watch when we did our deep dive with the Blue Meanie. Yeah, Go check it out in the archives. Um, so <laughs> it's just it's just funny. Maybe we should do that one time. Check out Heat. Maybe not on the podcast. So I don't know. But they got Heat all the way up until July fifth, July twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine. Which it looks like uh, it's the one before SummerSlam. Fully, fully loaded. Fully loaded. Almost. Oh yeah, this is July. Yeah, SummerSlam was in August. So that's all the Heat they have. Because it's Triple H's interview when he's sitting down. I think that's when he coined the term that that he's the game. The game, yeah. You know, the game. I am the game. So. (laughs) But this match, it was a match. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Phineas got the most mild hot tag in the world. Oh, man. At one point. Um, But in the midst of it, he got a boot to the back of the head while the ref wasn't looking. And he got pinned. So there you go. The Smoking Guns retain the World Tag Team titles. Moving on, though. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Moving on to Jim Cornette, British Bulldog, and Clarence Mason cutting a promo backstage where we see Mr. Perfect coming into the locker room. His stuff was at least in the locker room. Uh, His gear and stuff was in the locker room, in the same locker room as Camp Cornette. And this one, Doc Hendricks is like, Oh, is there collusion here? (laughs) He's supposed to be the Mr. Perfect, the special guest referee for the main event, WWF Championship, British Bulldog Shawn Michaels. So, Mm. is there collusion? Mm. We'll see. Time will tell. In the meantime, we have the ultimate warrior going up against Jerry Lawler. Before that,
2: before that, gotta hit this beauty for the British Bulldog.
1: Shawn Michaels! You're
0: mine in less than a few short hours away.
1: <laughs> in less than a few short hours who, away. Who says that?
2: dog, Bulldog, Bulldog, baby. Bulldog, of course, because he's bizarre.
1: <laughs> he's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said in the promo too.
2: Not that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but he said <laughs> it like a different promo. He did. Wasn't at it '96 Rumble, I believe
1: '96. I thought it was '92. It,
2: uh-huh. no, it might have been '96 or '97, but it was definitely before a Royal Rumble. Oh, AOS hey, oh, 97. We did a live commentary on that
1: and we okay, yeah, talked yeah. about that. Because I'm the, <laughs> the British Bulldog <laughs> and I'm bizarre. Okay. <laughs> That's what we think when we think of the British Bulldog is bizarre. So,
2: Just a few short hours away. <laughs>
1: okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, a few short hours away. And less than a few short hours away. Yes. Yes. Um, during. <laughs> before the match, we get Owen Hart talking about he went golfing before, you know, the event with Mr. Perfect Vader and British Bulldog, who of course Vader and Bulldog were a part of Cant Cornet. So Yeah. You know. And I thought about this, I was like, damn, the shame of it is that all of them are no longer with us. Yeah. You know, with the exception of Cornet and Clarence Mason. Bulldog, Perfect, Owen, Vader, all gone. I think Vader was the oldest. He's a, he a you know, obviously the most recent one. His most death was the most recent. Um, but even he had like a congestive heart failure or something like that. So sad. It's really sad. Yeah, but um it is. I spotted a RF video sign behind the throne <laughs> during Jerry Lawler's promo. I don't know if you saw oh, that.
2: I did not. You did but, not. I mean, do we wanna talk through this promo? <laughs> I mean Jared Lawler's gonna you can you can
1: play it right now, Jared Lawler and his thrashing of Milwaukee and its fans. And now
0: Milwaukee (sighs) You bunch of losers
1: Uh <laughs> that wasn't even funny. That was a lame joke.
2: Look, The '95, '96 Milwaukee Bucks were 25 and 57. He couldn't have put the Bucks under the bus too. Come on. <laughs> he was lighting up. Take a Can you see this guy? you ugly. See him? I saw him. You're ugly. Oh my goodness! Because he was drinking from the, the toilet. Man.
1: Okay, Vince. <this>. <laughs> your neck throw up.
2: Good <laughs> lord! It's a little kid too. <laughs> he speaks the truth. <laughs> hey, oh, Man. at This one's rough. Nice to see you off the streets. <laughs>
1: I like how his music plays throughout, like New Jack during his matches.
2: (laughs) They're putting up the Warrior Pyro at this point. He's trying to kill time. Ah,
1: there you go. I didn't even think about that. WWE. You are without a
0: doubt the most pathetic bunch of losers that I have ever seen in my entire life, and you don't deserve to be graced by royalty like me. You should all be down on your hands and knees and kissing. do you understand
1: that? Come to set up better myself.
2: <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> Man, that was, was funny. Brutal. But it's funny because yeah, they were setting up the warrior pyro and then Jerry Lawler acts like he doesn't know it's like behind him. It, it, cracks <laughs> it cracks me
1: up. In the midst of that promo, Jerry Lawler walks up to the throne though and talks about the stuff that's on the, the you know the podium, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he grabs the scepter. He's like, oh this is nice. Mm-hmm. And he takes it to the ring with him. So that's how we start the match, but as you mentioned, we get all that stuff from Jerry Lawler. Mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers <laughs> and calling them losers. Uh they didn't have a great season in 95. The Bucks or the Brewers. The Bucks, the Brewers in, went 65 and 79, fourth yeah. place in the NL Central. Uh oh, they were the in the AL NL, Central. But, oh, I was going to say. No, yeah, they I were in the AL were still. AL
2: team, yeah. They
1: were in the AL still. Uh they were a little bit better in 96 though. They were 80 and 82. Uh, for a third in the division. Uh, but they moved to the National League in 1998, just for the record. But the Brewers, I didn't know the Brewers went from, they didn't make the playoffs from 82 until 2008?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was a little little iffy when the Phillies faced them in the playoffs. I was like, oh, great. Here we go. The year before, the Phillies got swept by the Rockies, the hottest team right. in like baseball history at that time. Yeah, they went like 22 like, straight? <laughs> yeah. And And they swept all the way into the World Series? They they, they went to, I believe they swept all the way, and they won a playoff game, a wild card uh, playoff when Matt Holiday was tugged yeah. out he was tugged out but they called him safe and i don't think we had instant replay at that time so they had that was it, game 163 though right yeah yeah he, they, they called him playoff. safe but he was out they tug him like the replay showed he was out Ooh, that's why like i was like oh i don't feel good about this and then they went up sweeping the phillies who made their own record you know to end the season seven games back with 17 games to play and they went yeah, on that run that was like a took great the high out. yeah great high we had then we got swept so heading into 2008 you know the phillies once again clinched the division and then they have to face the milwaukee brewers who like you said made the playoffs for the first time in what 20 plus years so I yeah like, i think oh, it was 81
1: or go. 82 because they went to the world series one year like 81 82 and they lost to the cardinals i forget which exactly which year it was Uh, Because I I didn't know back then they were in the American League. I was like, oh, okay. But uh, the Rockies, didn't they get swept in the World Series? (laughs) They did.
2: The Red Sox wound up sweeping
1: them. They had
2: off like like, nine days (laughs) because the American League playoffs were still going. And they swept their way into the World Series. They were just sitting there waiting for like nine, ten days.
1: (laughs) That was a wild team. Yeah. Yeah, they swept all the way into the World Series and got swept. (laughs) That's wild. They had a record of seven and four in the playoffs. And <laughs> didn't win the championship. <laughs> seven and four. In Most problem. teams, if you go seven and four, you're probably winning. I mean, I guess you got to win four more. You got to win at least. Yeah. Let me see, three, four, four. is that? Eleven. So you got to win eleven games. But uh, at least in the old format, you had to win that many because mm-hmm. they didn't have the uh, the wild card game yeah. like they do now. Um, but yeah, that was that was wild. that's when they winning the black jerseys like every game. And they just kept wearing yeah. them because they kept yeah. winning. Hated it. Hated it. It's <laughs> <laughs> whipping team's ass, I was like, dude. man, these, he, he, these the
2: uniforms are ugly. I hate these players, even though they were probably good guys. I don't know. You know, they had Todd Helton and stuff. So, like, yeah. Was he there? Then, yeah, he probably I think was. So. I, don't so, I don't know. I maybe I to do that down <laughs> there for nothing. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was, wrong. like, so angry. Ugh.
1: Well, the O.A. Phillies made up for it. They did. They did. They <laughs> made up for it. They, they won the World Series. <laughs> Something the Brewers and the Rockies could not do. So, you know, you look at it that way. Yeah. But that's a wild playoff run, though. You sweep it all really the way is. through, and then you get swept. That's mm-hmm. kind of absurd. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened in sports. And of course, you to, know, like, their excuse was, hey, we wait the, waited
2: around for nine days. And, so, nah, oh, forget all that. You know, I know waited that's, before, that's their built-in excuse.
1: <laughs> you had to wait in between, I'm sure, the Division Series and the NLCS. Cause you swept that too, <laughs> like I'm sure there's maybe a little bit of a weight there, but um, I don't know if that's happened. Like a team would sweep, cause teams rarely sweep all the way through into the championship. That's hard to do, especially when you have usually three rounds before the final, like in the Stanley yeah. Cup final or the NBA finals. Uh, but then the turnaround around and get swept in the championship round, like mm. that'd be crazy. <laughs> that'd be wild. Yeah, um, that'd be like with the, when the Lakers when we beat when they when they beat us, I guess in the 01 finals beat the Sixers, they they swept everybody into the finals. They only had mm-hmm. one loss in the whole playoffs, Now it's against us in game one of the finals. Yeah, yeah. But what if they turned around,
2: like, what if, you know, instead of beating us, what if we swept them? That would have been crazy. Dude, they, we had... The- Either the second or third game. It was like the, maybe the first game in Philly. We had that so Yes, much. that was game yeah, game three or game four. Uh, yeah, we had
1: it. We was really like that. That's when pretty much was like, all right, I think it's over. <laughs> like, I was it so was, upset. It was <laughs> tough. But yeah, it was definitely, I recall having my heart broken when we lost. I think like, you're look like you right. The first game in Philly and the place was rocking. Nah. You know, it's our first finals game since 83, something like that. So yeah, but you know, it is what it is.
2: <laughs> well we'll get it in 2021
1: let's <laughs> go let's hope let's do it back to 1996 in the king of the ring uh K- jay Lawler. one of the things he said was that the ultimate warrior had overstayed his welcome Yeah. and i guess you know he's kind of right i, mean, yeah, I don't know was. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of right uh Lawler attacked warrior you know, warrior comes out with his big entrance you know and people are going crazy yeah. but Lawler attacked him before he even got into the ring he attacked him with the scepter that he grabbed during his promo and he was just blatantly choking Warrior right in front of the ref. And the ref was just like, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> ch- choking him with a with a with a with a weapon. He's or with that. his tape. Yeah. With his wrist tape or something like that. Yeah. Ah, whatever. Uh <laughs> so War- Lawler's beating up Warrior the entire match, and then he hits the Power Driver. And that's when Warrior just wakes up, <sighs> pops right up, doesn't even sell it for a second. <laughs> pops right back up. Hit Jerry Lawler with like four clotheslines. lines. And a shoulder block, and then pinned Jared Lawler with his knees to win the match. <laughs> he didn't even—he well, didn't even do the grip, the the, the press, the press slam, and in the, the splash. No, no. shoulder blocks and or one shoulder block and like four clotheslines. Yeah,
2: the high impact moves, according to Jr. So.
1: Yeah, they hurt so bad <laughs> they can beat people.
2: I will say the best part about this was Warrior's ring gear. I thought it really kicked ass look cool purple yellow look, like a reddish pink i loved it
1: warrior for all his faults or whatever he he did have great gear like good looking gear we talked yeah. about it i think it was um world rumble 91 when he yeah. had like kind of like the red white and blue theme gear and stuff yep. like that he had he had a cool aesthetic to him i think he took time into like what he was wearing and he had an eye for that so you know i'm not surprised his gear was kind of dope and like i said like the jacket he was wearing like that was kind of dope
2: yeah. yep and he went up so and grabbed always, the crown. <laughs> like, yeah. get, out of here, get out of here, Warrior. Get, get the hell out of
1: here. <laughs> but it's funny. I always did like when, when Warrior would do a comeback and he would hit the ropes, but he would like sometimes turn and yeah, hit a different go to like rope. the other side. Like he, right, he wouldn't like go not from pa- one not side the to the other.
2: Parallel, yeah, exactly. It was like he would run perpendicular all of a sudden. It's like, whoa. Right,
1: he would make a sharp turn into one set of ropes <laughs> to kind of run right where the person was. I thought that was kind of dope. It's kind of unique. And then I realized I was watching his comeback when you know when he wins the match. I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if John Cena took a page or two out of Warrior's book for the comeback. Because you know Cena, when he made his comeback, he's I think still does it. When you know he probably do it again when he has another match. He always does the shoulder blocks when he does yeah. his comeback. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm.
2: He does. I remember now he doesn't just of people. Matt. Yeah, I it. I still hate the shoulder block because to me it makes no sense in wrestling. But whatever. I'll deal. I mean, I I'll should. deal with it. I'll get over it. <laughs> but it just does nothing for me. Like but I even thought Cena, it was weird when the warrior did it when I was a kid. And I was like, that hurts people enough to like pin them. I just thought it was weird.
1: But at, at least Cena doesn't pin people with his knees. That's after. true. He'll, yeah, he is like he is like the back the backdrop or whatever. And then he has a five knuckle shuffle and then he tries to add it to the adjustment. Somebody reverses it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've seen this episode multiple times.
0: You're listening to The Straight Shooters featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, Tune in Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of The Straight Shooters at shootersradio.com.
1: But let's let's play uh let's let's kind of rearrange the future a little bit here. Let's say that Ooh. warrior somehow managed to stick around WWE past this point. Let's say he was in WWF during the Attitude Era. How would he have fit in in '97 and '98, maybe even into '99?
2: Probably would have joined like the corporate corporate ministry or something. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe thought you were gonna
1: say the corporation.
2: I mean, yeah, I, that I could, wouldn't have fit. No, probably. the corporate ministry. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my first thought was corporate ministry, but I could see anyway. Like, yeah, he would have. He would have had to be in uh, some type of faction, because I don't think what works for him, obviously, in the early '90s, uh, and even at this point, you know, it, we were kind of getting towards the end of like the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior, like in this era, because everything was more of r- a reality based and. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have worked until maybe like 2002 when nostalgia came back and they had he had that Robert Hogan. I think at that point, everyone would have been like receptive to this Ultimate Warrior. But in the Attitude Era, I yeah he would have had to like join some type of t- turn heel and join some type of uh, faction. Or oh, you would De- have to change. Definitely he would not have to change DX, somehow. Definitely not DX. But <laughs>
1: no, no. But he would. Yeah, I, I agree. He would have had to change. He wouldn't have been able to be. Talking to the warriors and the and all that stuff he would do in his promos, and then running to the ring and doing all the same stuff that he was doing. Like I said, it's more reality based. They probably would have, if he was in WCW they would have made fun of him at some point or something like that. I mean, he was there,
2: yeah, but and it
1: just didn't yeah, fit. No, it just didn't work. And the WWF DX would have made fun of him.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and do they would have way over, and so that's right. why he he would have had to be like a heel. And really dig his heels into that character and try and come up with something different to where people like are booing him, but they're not doing it. Ironically, maybe they and would. Maybe be doing he it had to change his aesthetic. Maybe
1: he keeps a face yeah. paint. But maybe he goes all black or something. Yeah. Like something yeah. would have had to change from the war. You couldn't have been the colorful comic book character he was. And I, and I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he probably would have worked in two thousand two because the nostalgia really started with Hogan and that nostalgia pop, right? That we. WWF still tries to get some time to this day when they can when they can. But it did kind of start with Hogan when he came back to WWF in two thousand two with the NWO and everybody was pining for him to return to the red and yellow because in two thousand two it had been since ninety six. So it's been seven years at that point since everybody had seen the red and yellow. I mean, I guess he he might have he, done it he, in, a, in he did
2: it in a little bit in uh Yeah, he did it a little like bit like in two thousand. Yeah, yeah. But then he went like back to kinda like dark tights. So right. But yeah, it was like maybe like a few months worth of red and yellow, in like 99. And <laughs> he was clearly like, I okay, do recall I'm that. Yeah. There.
1: Right. But by 2002, we hadn't really seen classic Hulk Hogan in a long time. So
2: by the way, do you know that that nostalgia- when that, that same Nitro, he went back to the red and yellow it was the same raw that Chris Jericho debuted?
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah. Big, big, um, night! big night for me as a wrestling fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, it's funny, there's a tale of two companies. Here's Chris Jericho, a guy who is pr- pretty much underutilized and is pretty much brand new. I didn't really yeah. know Chris Jericho that much, and I was watching WCW. I still wasn't like fully aware of who he was before he arrived in WWF. And here's WCW. On, so he's pretty much a new guy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Fresh coat of paint, so to speak, who can you know now be properly utilized, even though it took a while for WWF to really do that.
2: Ooh, which um, is crazy. And here's
1: WCW going back to red and yellow, like rehashing 1987, and it's like, okay, well, I know what I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch the guy who looks kind of current for that time period, for 99, and Chris Jericho, and not the guy who's still reliving 1986.
2: Yeah, they all built it with uh, his son, Nicholas, uh, bringing him a bag with his red and yellow stuff, and be like, wear this, dad, that's when he was like five (laughs) or something, I was like, oh, okay. That's I a, mean I was into it, but then it lost steam so quickly. <laughs> so he went back to like the black colors thought shortly after that. Right. So
1: and like I said, Warrior might have been able to catch on in 02, 03, if mm. they were on good terms. Could have. And been. had done the self destruction of Ultimate Warrior DVD, Would say what you want about Ultimate Warrior. He was a um controversial figure, say that, to say the least. Um, but he was obviously big over, but that DVD was, that was terrible. That shouldn't have been done by WWF. And you'll never see the light of day on that one again. Like that would not be on Peacock. That would not be on WW network,
2: nor should it. Cause that was trash by WWF. Which is, uh, you know, I have it. So I was, I, I bought the DVD and I don't know if I might watch it here and there to see, like, you know, just get a history lesson on what exactly they, did i yeah. mean it was basically it was a hit piece uh, it, yeah and I, I think they only did it because they owned i think the ultimate warrior right so that's why he changed his name to warrior that yeah. yeah, it was like kind of in the midst of all this so yeah it was, what a crazy time Th- that period.
1: was trash that was trash like ultimate warrior uh not the greatest person in the world i mean <laughs> i always found it funny uh when you see him you know i, I watched the um Dark Side of the Ring on him, which was okay. Yeah. Um, I did I, I get, didn't get a chance to watch the A and E one, but I know the the Dana Warrior was like, oh, I'm not watching that smut and filth from Dark Side of the Ring. I was like that. And I watched. It, I was like that. Mm. That was actually not. It wasn't smut and filth. They didn't trash Ultimate Warrior. They had his ex wife on there. She pretty complimentary of Ultimate yeah. Warrior. If anything, Jim Cornette and Jim Ross trashed him.
2: Jim oh, um, Ross was just lighting him up.
1: Right, but. He said, like one of his little speaking engagements, that uh, his wife was the one. Dana Warrior, I guess, was the one who showed him, you know, the conservative life. He didn't realize he was conservative until he met his wife. And then apparently, in the in the A and E documentary, she was just like, "I don't know where he become conservative. I'm like, I don't think Ultimate Warrior lied. I'm like, yeah. I don't know where he got that from. He got it from you, ma'am. <laughs> just say it. It's okay." <laughs> It's she okay. Did, if you're a conservative, say wanna, it. Don't be yeah, afraid. She
2: doesn't want to you know, she doesn't be a bad guy. Oh, so like, you're saying okay. conservatives are bad guys? <laughs> in her mind. Is that what it is? In her mind she doesn't want to. It's like
1: people who don't want to get the vaccine they're like I don't want to talk about it. It's like why not? You don't have a logical mm. reason as to why you shouldn't get it? Mm. Okay. Mm. Besides it's <laughs> that it's just your choice and that's it? All right, fine. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, documentaries. Did you watch Dark Side of the Ring on uh, Grizzly Smith?
2: I did. I did.
1: That was rough to watch.
2: And I don't think I previously knew that you know Rock and Robin, Jake Roberts, and Sam Houston were all you know siblings. I don't really. I don't remember. I knew that. I mean, I might have, but it might have just slipped my memory. I mean, I probably if I read something, it was like years ago that I didn't think about, but when I watched it. And, you know, they actually had them interviewing. You know them back to back to back and stuff like that. Kind of hit home. I was like, oh my god! I didn't realize these. Yeah. You know, so I probably did at least read it before, but it wasn't in my memory at all.
1: Yeah, I, I remember. I knew that. I knew that Sam Houston and Rock and Robin and Jake Roberts were all related. They're all siblings. They're all Grizzly Smith's kids, I should say. Um, but man, we talked about it a little bit on the our Beyond the Mat episode. When we did a deep dive oh, on that yeah a while back and how rough the jake roberts parts were and we talked about you know he, he had a lot of childhood trauma including his sister disappearing and the body would never recovered. um and they talked about that a lot on the dark side of the ring um and you know they they we, we talked about how when um jake roberts visited grizzly smith and he's was, was like, "Oh, she's you are born out of love," and I still love you. And we're like, "No, the hell you weren't," because we talked about like the fact that he was dating Jake Roberts, which would have been her his grandmother, but he sexually assaulted and got pregnant at her daughter thirteen years at thirteen years mm-hmm. old, and he had to marry her because back in the day, you know, you get somebody pregnant like that. Oh, you make it all better when if you get married, and that's what happened. He's married her to a thirteen year old, uh, and I guess no one really knew because people didn't take their wives. To the to the matches like that, or so he would have known. Like, hey, you got a thirteen year old wife. Um, d- did not know that he also sexually assaulted Rock and Robin, which I shouldn't be surprised, really, when you think about it. Um,
2: yeah, given that pattern, you know, it's not it right. Surprise me at all.
1: And now uh, he would take these girls, on, little girls, on road trips. One as young as nine, apparently, that Rock and yeah. Robin talked about, which yeah. is just, just come on, bro. And then you know, just being a vile human being, pretty much. You know, but the problem was he was super connected, yeah. so there's like always such like this power imbalance between him and anyone else in the wrestling business. He, like I said, he knew everybody. Uh, that's how you can get Sam Houston off all the time from DUIs. Apparently, Sam Houston had the state yeah. record in Texas for DUIs, and he never went to jail until like the twentieth one, uh, which is absurd. It is, you know, and that's because of Grizzly Smith. But I did, also did not know that he. They're they, they at least speculating. It's not known to be fact. But they think he might have had something to do with his own daughter's disappearance. Mm. Which is just like wild. So it's just, the shame of it all is that he never really was confronted about these transgressions. And how vile of a life he lived before he died. He died at in 2010, 2011, something like that. He had Alzheimer's. Or dementia. Something like that. And has never, you know, he never had to face the music on that, which is that's that's a shame. it. I wish he was still alive so he could at least face the music on that. Then he could yeah. die again because yeah. you know I don't. I know people can say, "Oh, you don't speak ill of the dead." We're going to speak ill of Grizzly Smith because he's one of the most vile people that's ever been
2: in pro wrestling. Yeah, listen, I can compare him to somebody that I never knew uh, personally. Thank God, but uh, that was in my family that you know people in my family knew. So uh, you know, I speak ill of the dead when it's fully deserved when i know what they've done <laughs> and it's clear what they've done uh i i don't make a habit of it but in, in this instance it's obviously uh warranted uh i don't necessarily uh enjoy talking about it but when i i do you know it's you just you just listen you listen to what happened because People don't lie about that stuff, you know. Like why why would they no. lie about that stuff and you know, all all I, I of his grew- kids? Right, exactly. Like what, what do they they're not gaining anything right now by doing that, you know? So uh,
3: Right.
2: You know, I mean if anything they're gaining it, I guess
1: they're gaining some type of peace and you know, like maybe they're coming to terms. Right, t- yeah. I guess it's healthier for them to talk about it than to keep it bottled up. But like yeah, yeah. Like, but like monetarily they don't really you know, gain, everyone's like,
2: Oh, what are they gonna what are they getting money wise for this? It's like nothing like literally nothing like money isn't the thing it's cathartic man. It's, almost this is stuff that they live through it's cathartic to right. some people to be able to talk about it and finally uh, have that and listen in my you know family it was you know bottled up and stuff but i'm very very lucky that when i grew up i wasn't around it and that the people that it happened to had dealt with it or were in the middle of dealing with it in their own way so uh, I'm a lucky person because I wasn't exposed to it, but I also know exactly what that type of person and their lifestyle emits. Uh, so I, I'll keep that to myself. But you know, for the people out there that do question, oh, don't speak out of the dead and stuff like that. Like you, you don't know. So I, th- there, there's people don't just speak out of the dead to hear themselves talk. You know, there, there's reasons behind a lot of these things. So.
1: Right, yeah, we're gonna speak ill of Grizzly Smith because that he was a trash human being, obviously. And his and he
2: affected her
1: deeply, affected his kids. Jake Roberts had substance abuse issues. Rock and Robin admitted she was an alcoholic for a little bit. Uh, I mean, still a, a funk, I guess, an alcoholic. You know, you're, you're always an addict, it's just you know, you're you uh, recover from that and you you know, you're clean, but she had issues. Sam Houston clearly had issues when he's got twenty some odd DUIs, mm. and he got Baby Doll. I did. I did not know that Sam Houston and Baby Doll were married at one point. Yeah. But apparently, when he asked, um, I think it was Baby Doll or asked Grizzly Smith for the blessing, to, you know, to marry Baby Doll, something like that. I forget what what exactly what it was. Uh, maybe when they got, I think when they got engaged, uh, Sam Houston had thirty two uh rum and cokes. It's like, damn, how can that man drink that much? And he's supposed to be skinny. Like, that man could drink. Uh, but he also had his issues and it, you know it's not surprising when you think about who their dad was and yeah. how they were raised and we talked about it multiple times on this podcast that your your childhood can be the most important years of your life things that happen to you in your childhood could stick with you for the rest of your life especially trauma There's something about that with with children um that the, the traumatic experiences can last forever and they could shape the rest of your life You can, you know, that pain can live with you and all of a sudden you want to self-medicate. How do you do that? Drugs and alcohol. You know, whatever. Especially when
2: you don't realize it's traumatic, you know, what you go through You just kind of think, okay, this is a normal thing, and then you realize, it. it's not.
1: Right. So, hopefully, uh, the uh, Jake Roberts, Rockin' Robin, Sam Houston, I forget the fourth sibling's name off the top of my head. Hopefully oh, they can, yeah. you know, get together and reconcile. It sounded like they
2: wanted to. Yeah, it, was, it seemed like, you know, they were, he was there when Grizzly Smith died and, like, he was very upset about it. So, it kind of right, He gave him that. up for adoption. He was a lucky yeah, one. I know, right? <laughs> and even Is that he why was given up, up for him? adoption. Well, I don't know. yeah.
1: But he was a lucky one to not subject to the abuse that the others were. But even he was still given up for adoption. And there's no reason that he was. He never got a reason. And a kid giving given up for adoption can be traumatic. Given living in foster homes, and that can change your life, you know. Sometimes see a lot of kids who get into trouble a lot. They probably were adopted. They probably were in, in the system in foster care. So he had it good, and he was in adopt, you know, giving up for adoption f- for no real reason. Terrible, yeah. terrible man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking of Jake Roberts. Translation out of that, we go back to King of the Ring 1996, where Gorilla soon is being interviewed, and he said that Jake Roberts was obviously very hurt, but he's going to let Jake Roberts continue. And said if he had to stop the match between Roberts and Steve Austin in the King of the Ring finals, he would. So that will come into play later on. But moving on, we have Mankind going against The Undertaker. And I think, was this their first real match together?
2: I believe so.
1: I think this is like the first yeah. like one on one.
2: Yeah, because they went back and forth in these matches and appearances. Of Beware of dog. We saw mankind show up and, and right. a casket. And uh, like on Raw, he attacked him. But yeah, this is the first. I, I doubt they would give this away on Raw. So yeah, I believe this is the first real match. Uh,
1: this rivalry at this point was very good. It was a great way to introduce Mick Foley. As mankind to a, a pretty much a new audience. I mean, he wasn't WCW, he wasn't ECW, but you know, those sometimes those audiences didn't always overlap. You know, so there's so some people out there. I'm sure when mankind showed up, that there was some people who had never seen Cactus Jack. they had never seen, uh, you know, Mick in any capacity. Because I think he was only Cactus Jack at this point. He wasn't any other character. Yeah, well, it's funny wrestling.
2: what I saw. I, I know he went like he was like Cactus Jack Manson and stuff like that. Cause I, uh, if you didn't watch the AD biography yet, they go through some of his like earlier characters before Cactus Jack really stuck. And I think like Cactus, he added like Manson to the end cause he looked like, I guess, Charles Manson or whatever. But then he yeah. just went right back to Cactus Jack. I don't remember if he was anything before that, uh, but he was Nick Faley in <laughs> The WWF as <laughs> a jobber name. Right. They, yeah, I remember like that Nick Faley, but, uh, at this point, I, I had seen Cactus Shack at WCW, and I did not, you know, obviously I didn't have the internet. I didn't re- know they were the same person at this time, but I was really like, that guy, he sounds like him, and he, he like, walks like him a little <laughs> bit, but I obviously I can't see his face, so, you know, I was just like, I think it's him, but maybe there's somebody that sounds and looks like him. I don't know, and walks like him, but it wasn't until they did that interview, that in-depth interview in 97, where I was like, yes! that's Cactus Shack, I knew it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that has to be him. Um, it's funny that this feud was pretty good in 1996, mm-hmm. but their most famous match happened two years later at the <laughs> yeah. King of the Ring with virtually no build-up or story. None at all. Like They were just thrown together, and it was like, yeah. hell in a cell. I was like, oh, okay, and that's their most famous match together.
2: <laughs> it is. When they had
1: all the backstory, all the lore, all the storytelling in this feud in 96, this was the time where they put time in and really developed the character of the Undertaker. Even all the characters involved, they all developed because of this feud. We, whether you got Mankind being introduced and Undertaker and Paul Bearer splitting off from each other, there's a lot happened in this feud in 1996. But that Hell in a Cell match is the one that everybody talks about to this day.
2: Yeah, and this probably was the feud of the year in 1996. Uh, 1998, not so much. Uh, yeah. I think... Mankind only had come back like a few weeks prior, <laughs> you know, and then there was like boom—they're <laughs> in hell in a cell. I was like, oh, oh okay, like jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah. I'm, I would imagine this was feud of the year '96 because, I mean, I don't know what was happening in WCW besides NWO forming. Um, That's that would have been feud of the year. <laughs> which, oh God! Nah. <laughs> would you go Piper Hogan? No, At the because that didn't, really,
2: that didn't start till, you know, November really, the end of Halloween Havoc, end of October. So definitely not feud of the year for yeah. me. But I mankind on right. sticker, they had three pay per view matches, right? At this, yeah, they had the oh, no, Four, because Four, 'cause buried alive and then Buried Alive, as I say, series. yeah, buried alive,
1: which we've <laughs> talked about. We've talked about that already, Buried Alive. We did. Um and our you know check that out in archives. But then they had another one at Survivor Series. I do, yeah. I do not recall that, which yep. is stupid. Like how do shark you come cage. back from a buried alive match?
2: The shark cage. With shark, Paul Burr, they right? had Paul Bear in the shark
1: cage. <laughs> yeah. That's so dumb, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. The buried alive match is the blow off, bro. Somebody got buried alive. <laughs> and then I guess the Undertaker the, has to come back.
2: Yeah, and he literally won the Survivor Series match <laughs> with a tombstone. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Jesus. I guess he has to come back and get his win back, you know. He gets yeah. buried alive or he when he gets murdered, <laughs> murdered dirted. Uh <laughs> He has to come back, res- be resurrected and get his win back, I guess, cuz we saw it at more Rumble 94 when he ascended to heaven, you know. Uh he's always got to come back somehow. We saw it in 03 when he got buried alive and he came back. <laughs> he's always coming back and getting he got his win back over Kane, you know. It always happens. But uh Mick Foley, he I thought he brilliantly played mankind. Like he just dove into that character with the squealing and and all that. And the way they presented him was brilliant too when they had the intro and the outro music. Uh and the outro music was just so nice and uplifting and <laughs> serene, despite the fact that mankind just committed some sadistic act, <laughs> you know, on television. You know, but he did it and he's pulling his own hair out, which is like wild. Like why would you pull your own hair out? But um but yeah, it, I thought it was just it was just brilliantly played by man by McFoley, brilliant I thought it was brilliantly produced. And it's but it's just funny that Vince McMahon apparently didn't even want to sign him. <laughs> like JR pretty much begged Vince McMahon to sign him and it's like, Alright, whatever, put a mask on him, we'll do it and it's like yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I thought the video package for this match was kind of funny because they had like some old-timey type of horror music playing underneath it. it sounded like some old Alfred Hitchcock type of music, which is kind of weird to me.
2: I guess yeah, it fit the the theme
1: that. of this of these two characters, but it's still kind of weird.
2: This was kind of the main event for me. I was looking forward to this match mm-hmm. most. Toward, yeah,
1: you know, I can see that, so, especially meeting, yeah. more than a bulldog Michaels match. That wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it was okay, but that wasn't. Like, like that. the build,
2: the build up was stupid. Uh, the, the, the previous match, the way that I did, I was like, oh, I don't want to see this again. Like, <laughs> so yeah, this, was, this was my main event.
1: <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Beware of dog a couple weeks back. We did. Uh, so go check that out. Nice companion piece of this podcast. Um, second pay per view in a row, Undertaker sneaks up on his opponent during his entrance. <laughs> that was becoming his thing. This time he started out on the top rope. And clotheslined uh mcfoley
2: or mankind i should say um <laughs> he said Jim Russell's like where'd he come from <laughs> he's like i didn't see him, <laughs> him. and no one Hart's like i didn't see him either like <laughs> i love that one like adding to it you know like he he didn't have a good like witty retort for that he's like yeah i didn't see him either
1: <laughs> yeah, I Didn't you disappeared just materialized um i guess the, the disqualifications was just like null and void in this match because we got chair shots. They spent a whole bunch of time out of the ring. There's a lot going yeah, on in this match.
2: It wasn't like a no disqualification and no count out match. It wasn't anything. It was it was built as a regular match. So I don't know. Maybe I'm missing on commentary if they said something. But yeah, to me, it was like a normal match going on. And the Boiler Room Brawl was the first like real stipulated match for me between these two. So I just thought it was right. a regular match. I didn't even think about like the steel chair shots and stuff like that until you said it. <laughs>
1: Which, which the Boiler and Brawl was not a match you saw in WWF. They did not have a lot of weapon usage or backstage yeah. fights in WWF. So we might have talk about that one day and how kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say groundbreaking because it wasn't like the first hardcore match ever, but it was for WWF. It was
2: uh, a, a break from the norm, so to speak. It, it, I still remember it to this day. One of my favorite matches ever, but uh, probably not towards the top of the list, but definitely in my top 10 or 15 uh, especially seeing, like, wow. the wrestlers in the hallway, just kind of, like, tra- <laughs> like coming out in the hallway and looking at them as they're, like, you know, fighting through the hallway. That that stuck with me forever because I'm like, oh, my God, like, the wrestlers back there, they're watching this. Now I just saw you come out, go in the ring, and then go home. Like, I didn't know there were wrestlers backstage. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: they wear normal clothes? <laughs>
2: You know somebody?
1: I, I haven't seen the match in, in ages, but I'm sure somebody's standing back there with a t-shirt tucked into some jorts. Yeah, that um, was the look yeah, back I'm in sure, 96. Sure there is. Throughout the 90s, it seemed like. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have your shirt tucked into your jorts, bro. <laughs> Gotta. Uh, but the finish of this match came when Paul Bearer mistakenly hit The Undertaker with the urn. And Mankind locked in the Mandible Claw to pick up the win. So... Uh, the, of course, that urn has been on like the WWE Barry treasure show and it's like the note called the betrayal urn. Uh, but, you know, there's kind of a foreshadowing of what was to come because, again, Paul Bearer would turn on The Undertaker at SummerSlam with this urn. But on this night, it was a mistake. And um, Owen, Owen Hart, if anything, pretty much foreshadowed. It. He pretty much yeah. gave it away and said, yeah. that you know, Paul Bearer, he probably is tired of The Undertaker and probably meant to do it. And it's like, <laughs> wait, man. We not get. We didn't get to that part yet.
2: <laughs> it's like, Shut up, man. It's like I know he's supposed to be the heel, but that was like his Bobby Heenan moment, where you know right. Bash at the Beach is like, whose side is he on? It's like, you know, this is Owen Hart. He's like, he probably sick of him. He probably meant to do it. And of wait, course, wait, wait, you know, wait, bro. me, I'm like, Owen's oh, so stupid.
1: <laughs> I'm sure that gave it away for some people. Like, oh wait, Paul Bear's probably gonna turn on Undertaker. Yeah, definitely not me. Yep. I,
2: that was one of the times I was legit shocked as a kid. I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not Paul Bearer. That's a a fake, like, where's Paul Burr it's, it's,
1: it's funny you mentioned that, remember when, uh, I remember yes. hearing the rumor for years, that the Ultimate Warrior was a different Ultimate yes. Warrior in 92, when yes. he came back at WrestleMania 8, so and it's funny because <laughs> Ultimate Warrior on this show, because he came back a little slimmer, because he wasn't on the on the juice no more, uh, at least at that point he wasn't on the juice, but people thought, the rumor was, I remember hearing this so much Now I was a kid, that, that the original Ultimate Warrior died, and it had a yes. new one. Yep. That's how different Ultimate Warrior looked. I, I
2: believe it was him. Yeah, I heard the same damn thing. I heard the same rumors. And I was like, man, is that true? You know, like, it, it, his hair is different, too. Like, it's shorter and <laughs> it's not as wavy, you know. And I was I was picking it, picking it apart once I started, you know, hearing those rumors when I had the internet. And I would go back and, like, watch the video. And I'm like, that is different.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Definitely fell for like, it.
2: It would have been like... <laughs>
1: the 90s version of Dark Side of the Ring, they would have investigated it. Did the original Ultimate Warrior die? He'd have been like, no, bro, I'm still here. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he died. He just didn't want to say anything. I think we would have known if he had actually passed yeah, away. And I don't I think guess. that would have been kept a secret and just replaced the man. God damn. <laughs> Get another muscle-bound guy to just run out there and be
2: Ultimate Warrior. This isn't Sin Cara, or he could just hide it. When right, I'm but asked.
1: also the guy didn't die. <laughs> if he passed on, no longer with us, went to the upper room, then that'd be a different story. But he didn't go to the upper room, he's still here on this earth, <laughs> walking amongst the living. So it's fine. It's fine. Uh, mankind chased Paul Bear away with a chair. Uh, nothing really came out of that, but.
2: Um, he was hugging the chair, which was funny.
1: That was funny. As he went back with the outro music playing yeah this is a lot going on I love the outro (laughs) music that was a cool touch Um, they haven't really tried that again with somebody but probably probably shouldn't Um, because that's a you know that's a mankind touch. That's 96 mankind but I always thought that was a real cool touch for mankind but moving on we have Doc Hendricks backstage interviewing mr. perfect who, you know, Doc Hendricks is all skeptical of of Mr. Perfect. Oh, you sure you're going to call it down the middle? And Mr. Perfect insured, like, yes, I'm going to call it down the middle. Don't worry. Shawn Michaels comes up and he's like, hey, man, better call this down the middle. We've got some static. And that was pretty (laughs) much it. But it's funny. The funniest part was that Doc Hendricks kicked it back to Vince McMahon and Jim Ross. Didn't mention Owen Hart. Owen Hart's like, hey! I'm out here, too. What about me?
2: Did you notice what Owen Hart said, what he called Mr. Perfect? I do not. He called him Kurt Henning. And that was the first time oh. I ever heard somebody say Kurt Henning on WWF TV.
1: Oh, and you're breaking K baby. Yeah. What you doing?
2: He said uh, as, right after he said it, he said Mr. Perfect. So it's almost like he called himself. He was like, <laughs> Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> like I, I, I noticed that because I had never heard the name Kurt Henning on like WWF TV. It was always like Mr. Perfect. Why always would you Mr. Perfect. Take- it wasn't oh, even it, like Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning or Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect when I started watching in like ninety, ninety one. I don't know if they ever said Kurt Henning on TV. But, you know, by the time I was watching every single week, the late nineties, early ninety one, you know, I do not remember ever hearing Kurt Henning. And the only reason I knew that was his name is because I had bought a VHS prior. It was like an L O D VHS from like their NWA days or something. It was way before they joined the WWF and they had wrestled Kurt Henning and somebody else in a tag match and Kurt Henning was like stuck oh. in the ropes and he was like bleeding and they I was like that's Mr. Perfect like oh my god
1: <laughs> was in the AWA
2: I think it was but I I, I don't know but I remember him being stuck the in AWA. the ropes he was stuck in the ropes they hit him with a chair in the head he was like bleeding and it was crazy
1: I know the Warriors the World Warriors did uh they were in the AWA at one point yeah. I don't recall Mr. Perfect being in the NWA for if he right. was, it he wasn't in a very probably was an
2: AWA match. I just don't remember yeah. like what event it was.
1: Okay, that's interesting. That's, yeah. That was a I, don't interesting know if I piece of video that
2: might have been that. a video that I taped over. You know, back in the '90s when I would put that oh, piece man. of scotch tape over it because I didn't have like of a course. blank tape available. So, but I don't know if I still have that. I would have to look.
1: That's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, <laughs> that you know, you had a home video release of the Road Wars in the '90s. Yeah. I wondered how that how that was portrayed, how they were portrayed was, back the, then. The
2: whole uh, cover was them and like their black shoulder pads and their different face paint than you know when they joined the WWF in the 1990s. So it was, you know, either 88 or 89. It was something like that. And I remember being wow. like confused. I was like, wait, these aren't like Legion. of New- a wait, wait a second. Yes, they are. Because <laughs> <you know, laughs> obviously, uh, I hadn't known them before then. So. I was like, wait, they're bad guys? Because people like booing them and stuff. And they were like kicking everyone's ass. And I'm like, wait, but, <laughs> but the good guys, like what's going on hey, here? They were kicking everyone's ass no matter whether. They were baby face, heel,
1: That's That's tweener, true. didn't matter.
2: <laughs> but I would be confused at the crowd like booing them. I was like, wait a second. Mm. Yeah, no, this, is, this isn't this is a road warrior pop.
1: <laughs> this isn't, there's a Hulkamaniacs here. <laughs> <laughs> We should we should deep dive or at least live commentate that the the Hulk Hogan Mm, going into the layer of the Dungeon of
2: Doom. Hopefully, it's just like a YouTube video. I don't even remember. Was it on a Nitro or uh, Saturday Night or something? I hope it wasn't. I do not remember.
1: (laughs) I do not remember. But we should watch it one day. We should. (laughs) We
2: should. should. We'll have to find it.
1: And I'm probably going to get highly inebriated, so I can even enjoy enjoy it even more. (laughs) We'll see we'll 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 circle back on that and uh uh table that discussion for later. But moving on, we have the WWF Intercontinental Championship Gold Dust defending against Ahmed Johnson. Now, before we get into the match, we got to talk about Gold Dust. <laughs> because I feel like we always hear nothing but praise about Goldust and like the character of Goldust in like 95, 96. And it does warrant some praise. The presentation was spectacular. I don't think we've seen any wrestlers presented like that before Goldust. Like how many wrestlers got the interest that Goldust got prior to 95? Mm -hmm. Not many. I mean, you didn't see world (laughs) champions get that type of entrance, right? It was awe-inspiring, honestly, for that time period. Uh, I thought Dustin Rhodes played the character, like, like we saw with Mankind, played it brilliantly, Mick Foley did. Dustin Rhodes, I mean, he became Gold Dust, essentially. Like, it made his career, right? And Gold Dust is still over to this day. That character is still, if he returned to WWF tomorrow, it'd be like, he'd get a big pop. And he pretty much, especially when he got himself in better shape, got his life together, Gold Dust was over. People was behind Gold Dust. And it's a, pretty much a timeless character, right? And and Dustin Rhodes still is pretty much, not really pretty much that character, but he's carried that character with him throughout his time in wrestling, whether he's in TNA, he always paints his face. He didn't paint his face before Goldust. No. But since since Goldust, he's been wearing the body suits, and he's painted his face in some way. Now, his TNA run was not great when he was, what, Black Rain or something like that, and he walked out with a spider. That was trash.
2: <laughs> Phillies just walked it off against the Braves, baby. Let's go. Luke Williams, two run homer. Bottom of Good the ninth. Job. Two to one. Phillies win. All right. Suck it, Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Hawks and Braves. Beat the, beat the Hawks in
1: one day and beat the Braves next day. Let's do it.
2: They should have won last night, too. Bastards. No. No. Can't the win Phillies, all, The Phillies. The Phillies, not the Sixers. The Sixers won. <laughs> all
1: right. I'm yeah, sorry. We got to do it again in Atlanta. You gotta get, gotta get Man. him a couple more. You gotta get at least one game in Atlanta, if not both of them. Um, yeah, but Goldust is a timeless character. If he retired tomorrow, he could do conventions as Goldust and make a lot of money. Like it's yeah. still a character that's over. Yeah. But this version of Goldust, not the version from like 2002 when he got electrocuted and he started doing the stutter and stuff like that, <laughs> or even the most recent incarnation of Goldust, which was. I don't know, kind of the nostalgic, but he wasn't... They weren't playing up the sexuality. This version was playing up the sexuality of yeah. Gold dust This version, I don't think, would go over well with the LGBT community. Because I know he's supposed to be androgynous, as Vince McMahon would have said. But he was a man wearing a wig, and he's touching on the men and stuff like that. But he was presented as a villain. Yes. And they made him out to be like a sexual deviant... And it just made it okay to attack someone like Gold does. Like, gay men aren't just out here being sexual deviants, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And just running up on men and trying to kiss them. That's not how that, that doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. you know? This is reality that does not happen. But it, it made it, it seemed like it made it okay to, like, if somebody were to, you know, were gay or trans or whatever... And if they would approach you in any sort of way you, you get, better be on guard because they might try to touch you, kiss you or something like that. Yeah. And I think that wouldn't pl- go over well with the audience today. Norse. Maybe a future incarnation of Gold dust be okay, but this version now, WWF tried to be a little tactful slightly tactful and saying that, oh, it's just his histrionics it's just him playing mind yeah. games. Yeah, but
2: you know, I- to me, I mean, it's oh, okay. You want to make that the excuse? Go ahead, but then it's like you're sending the message that you know, if you really want to f with somebody's mind, act like this. It's like, right? Come on, come on.
1: Just be gay, and he don't he don't know what to do. It, exactly. It's Like, exactly. Okay, we should know how to act around, uh, you know, people. And the way Ahmed Johnson would,
2: you know, respond to it, like he responded in this match. It's just like. All right, come on. You know, it definitely right. doesn't sit well with me today. I mean, you're
1: allowed to be upset if somebody kisses you against without your permission. It's just that he doesn't
2: uh, have it, to do that. Right. It,
1: because he's not <laughs> just, like I said, a sexual deviant. Like, he's not just right, trying to kiss right. men all the time. He shouldn't be. Right. That shouldn't be what his character is. Back in 95, 96, when, you know, the world was a little different, that that's what made him a heel.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, people were still saying the F word back then. People were. The, the, the way we treat you know people from you know gays lesbians trans you know and plus you know lgbtqa plus the way we treated people you know like that who, who was a lot different than we do today and even today we still got a long way to go right mm-hmm. uh they're still discriminated against there's all these laws against trans people, which is just ridiculous. Like, there's a big problem. There's, watch out for the trans people. They're going to, the, 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 the boys are going to try to become girls and play sports. It's like, that doesn't happen, man. Like, yeah. what little boy is going to try to dress up as a girl to play a sport? Just to play sports. Not because he wants to be a woman and wants to, you know, be who who he, you know, how he feels. No. So I can dominate at f- field hockey. That's not what happens. Yeah. Like, come on. This isn't like a, again, there's no like ulterior motives type stuff. This is how people want to live. Correct. It's totally different. Correct. People don't see it that way. They see it as like, oh, so this is going to open the door for this and that. And it's like, no, it's not. It's going to open the door for people living how they truly want to live, live how they truly are. But things were different back in 96. Yeah. So it, it helped Gold Dust become a heel so
2: yeah and one to remember too because i mean i remember yeah. everything about this run by him starting in 95 and in 96 it, it really wasn't until his triple h feud where that kind of his character changed i mean yeah he was like kind of a baby face at that point so he didn't do those histrionics or you know mind games or whatever it was just kind of straight like i want to beat your ass like for real and that was kind of you know obviously people started cheering him and before that so he eventually became babyface but um yeah it's just like very weird to watch nowadays very weird to watch because you know it's just i don't know man i mean you've kind of laid it out perfectly
1: yeah it's just it's interesting to watch watch back now here 25 years later especially with this storyline yeah. Where he uh gives mouth to mouth to Ahmed Johnson and they're, they announce it like, Oh, that's sick or whatever. But like yeah, that's just, not because that's Ahmed Johnson right? not because Ahmed Johnson was kissed without his permission. You know, if that was a woman, they wouldn't have reacted that way. You know, let's say if Sonny had done that, they'd be like, Whoa, good for Ahmed Johnson, how lucky yeah. is he? <laughs> but because it's gold dust, oh no, God, what the hell? And it's like How about the fact that he was Against his permission, he was unconscious when it happened. That's the bad part, if anything. Um, But the match itself uh, started off kind of funny with Ahmed Johnson being so angry about all this that he runs through the doors (laughs) and knocks down the guys who open the doors, doormen, uh, which is made for a funny gift these days, uh, which I should use more often. I think it's it's (laughs) funny to see that. Um, but Goldust—I mean, not goldust Ahmed Johnson damn near killed himself on a dive. What the hell was yeah. he thinking with this dive? Who thought this was a good idea? Uh, I
2: and I think Goldust had a his knee was still banged up at this point because if you all remember, it was banged up against Ultimate Warrior, and think the Bay in your house, and then the Undertaker—you know, beware or no, that was Beware of Dog. Uh, he. It was the April in your house, uh, you know. Ultimate Warrior and Goldust. So, and you could see, like through his bodysuit, it was still kind of heavily taped. So, yeah, he had a, he a big bracelet. He even couldn't, like, he wouldn't have been able to catch him anyway. So he was probably he probably looked up and was like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> I was like right. flying at him, like, "What? I can't catch him!" Like, what the hell?
1: It <laughs> just fell flat on his yeah. damn
2: back. My goodness, he landed the way he did because that would have been bad.
1: Right, it was just not a good idea for somebody like Ahmed Johnson, who's like well over three hundred pounds. Sure, he's athletic, but come on. Just <laughs> and it clearly, something went haywire because Goldust wasn't close enough to catch him. It was just like, just no. I, nobody. The reason why Ahmed Johnson was in the position that he was in wasn't because he could fly through the air. Because <laughs> he was a powerhouse, big jacked up dude. Uh, at one point, Goldust used the steel steps. Uh, but it looked like you probably go. Well, what, what happened to the ref? Why didn't he disqualify him? Well, they didn't shoot the fact that the ref was apparently talking to Marlena when that happened. So Jr had to cover it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess you you know he didn't he didn't see it it's behind his back, you know, blah blah blah. So good job of Jr for at least covering that up because I was wondering that too. I was like where the hell is this, is a disqualification? Like <laughs> he picked up the steel steps, but and and used them. But you know, apparently he was talking to Marlena. And they missed a shot. Uh, but the finish comes when Goldust gives Ahmed Johnson mouth-to-mouth again. But Ahmed Johnson was not having it this time. He grabbed him by the throat. Picked him up. Started whooping his ass. Going crazy. <laughs> opened up a big old can of whoop-ass. And then hit him with the Pearl River Plunge. Which is still a dope finishing move. Say what you want about Ahmed Johnson. The Pearl River Plunge is dope. And a surprise we haven't seen a bunch of people use that over the years. Um, it's still a dope finish. But hit the Pearl River plunge and a cool ass name too, which I'm—I don't yeah. think anybody else is going to use Pearl River plunge for the name if they were to use it. But if I'm a wrestler, I'm using the Pearl River plunge, calling it something else. Call it the Philadelphia plunge. I don't know. <laughs> School, the Schuylkill River plunge. <laughs> you know, the Schuylkill Delaware slam. <laughs> right, Delaware River plunge, baby. Let's let's go. And I'm using it, yeah. so. But he used a move, he gets the win, and he is the new Intercontinental Champion. So, With the gold leather.
2: With the gold cool. strap.
1: Yes, I forgot the strap was gold because Gold Dust had it. So that's an well, obvious one.
2: I mean, like he had all that those gold stickers attached to his body because you know, he, he was did. sweating. <laughs> like, did they never sweep? After Goldust's entrance is after the match, at least they never sweep because it was there the rest of the night.
1: I think we talked about this before. It's like I would not want to work after Goldust yeah. to get the, the, either the dust or the it's stickers ridiculous. all over you. Was all over the place after the fact. It I was totally like, oh, <laughs> Goldust just... needs to be in the main event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> working after that.
2: <laughs> like that's what they did at Beware of Dog, right? Like that's how it should be. Like it was he was right. the last match, you know, with the Undertaker, but. You know that I forget
1: what show it was we talked about that, but it was like no, he needs to be the yeah. last because it happened in another show that we talked about. I can't re- remember which one it was. Maybe it was uh, maybe it was buried alive that. or something like that.
2: Oh, you no, know, it, it wasn't. Was that. Yeah, might have been buried alive.
1: Might have been buried alive or something like that. Or um, maybe it was Saint Valentine's Day Mask No, he, was he wearing? Was he gold? He was wearing gold dust '99. He was wearing gold. Yeah. Cause remember, he we wore he started wearing red at one point, which is weird. That was '98 though. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wouldn't want to work. <laughs> I'm getting all that gold stuff all over me. It
2: messes it all up. It's just weird. It, it didn't ruin ruin it, but it, I was like looking at it. I'm like that looks stupid. Like you got crap all over <laughs> your body, and you're acting like it doesn't bother you. I'm like get out of here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. I'd be like wiping. You. I'd, I'd be wiping that off.
2: It. Like if I saw it on my arms and chest, I'd be wiping that off. Like get yeah. off. Get off. Or at least trying to. Uh, I don't know how. Easier it would have came off but whatever
1: yeah moving on from that we got a commercial for international incident which is the next in your house uh from where funny thing up
2: what's that from where vancouver did they really need international in there i mean technically like, it is. when i think international i'm country. like oh it's gonna be in europe or something but right it's the, the same continent still get out of here
1: International. But yeah, it's not that far. <laughs> but yeah, it's in- technically international. It's Canada. It's a different country. Whatever. Same continent, different country. <laughs> you know? So technically it's true. But uh, the main event on that show was set up here on this here show, but with a slight change. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then we get a shot of Ahmed Johnson walking in- into the locker room where all the baby faces are waiting for him. The Give him a champagne shower, including one of the uh, what are they called? I can't remember their name now. The guys who marched to the ring. The bushwhackers. The bushwhackers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking like the hillbillies. No, the, I'm like they. No, not the sheep herders. They were the sheep herders before WWF. Not the sheep herders. Damn it! What were their name? The bushwhackers. I don't know. If it was Luke, or I forget the other one's name now. Um, Butch. Butch. Look, man. Oh my goodness. look
2: listen to your your point I don't even know they were around here at this point I had no idea (laughs) either maybe he was an agent or something what the hell was he doing I was was looking I was like wait the
1: Bushwhackers what (laughs) and it's funny because I didn't remember the Bushwhackers but the name that popped in my head was the Sheepherders I was like why would I remember that (laughs) that's not who they that's not who they're famous to be that's not their most famous name like that's not what they're known for
2: well, they were in fa- an episode of Family Matters. Remember that?
1: No, I do not. Oh, my God.
2: Maybe we have to deep dive on that.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Uh. If you want us to, feel free to uh, you know, go over to patreon.com slash just radio and request it. And we'll talk about it. We'll do it. But yeah, she purchased, which it's funny how they were like this... Like super dangerous tag team and before WWF, like they were doing barbed wire matches and hardcore matches, and then they get to WWF and they're the Bushwhackers and they just march to the ring. I don't know if I ever seen them win a match in WWF. <laughs> it's just <were> the Bushwhackers, <laughs> and that was it. It is Butch and Luke, and that was it. So,
2: and I always uh, got them yeah. like mixed up. I always thought, yeah, like I didn't know which one was it was. Luke and Luke was Butch.
1: <laughs> I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. But he's back there. Aldo Montoya's back there with the champagne,
2: <laughs> just fresh over a loss to Triple H. Like,
1: come on, right, right. He he <laughs> lost, but he's still happy for Ahmed Johnson. Cause boy, you know, he deserved it. You know, that was nice. And then Shawn Michaels is back there,
3: yeah.
1: which is another bit of foreshadowing um, for later on. But you know, top two champions are both baby faces. They're like friends. You know, that's nice. <laughs> Then we get a, I guess a promo of sorts, from oh, yeah. Brian Pillman.
2: Ooh. Ooh. coming down with crutches. Yeah. Just after his car accident.
1: Yes, he signed. He had a car accident in April, and he signed on June 10th. With a big press oh, yeah. conference, too. It was.
2: I remember uh, people wanted Vince to save it for the pay-per-view, but he wanted to make sure that people do. the so Pillman was with the WWF. I guess I could kind of stick it to WCW because they took Razor and Diesel. <laughs> he got Mark Merrow and Brian Pillman. A <laughs> little
0: bit different. Somewhat <laughs> of a time bomb. Jared, let take it. Go ahead. All right, Vince, thanks very much. Brian Pillman. How's my extended family doing, Jimmy? Fine. forgot to tell you. I don't even give a damn about my own family. And I think even less of this sewer of human waste that sits before me. It's easy to see Jeffrey Dahmer trying to consume this whole state from head to toe. (laughs) It's not really funny. I'm sure the fans are excited about the day that you'll be able to compete in the ring. You think, how do you think you're going to measure up to this level of competition? Listen, you stupid son of a bitch. I'm get right, this. apologize.
2: The- <laughs> What's he doing, <laughs> like? <laughs> what I'd like to know He's is loose cannon, man. <laughs> how do you feel? Being
0: one of the members of the Wretched Refuse. Sitting paralyzed with fear. of Brian offered building does. Says whatever he wants.
2: What is banal that? find
0: though. out. me soon. Out. If one of your so-called WWF superstars has the guts to stop me,
3: all <laughs> right, all right.
2: <laughs> and he goes back. Well, he he continues, but then uh, as he walks back, guess who he passes?
1: His old boy, Steve Austin. No longer stunning Steve Austin. <laughs> now stone cold Steve Austin. Of course, Austin and Pillman were tag team partners in WCW when they were the Hollywood Blondes. And of course, now we got Brian Pillman Jr. And a tag team called the Varsity Blondes in AEW. But uh, yeah, cross pass and you know, ex- exchange some pleasantries, I guess. Uh, they're also good friends in real life as well. Um, but, of course, that was set up eventually where they had the whole <laughs> gun angle where Austin's breaking into Brian Pillman's house. And and we, we had the invention of the Pilmanizer. Steve Austin created that when he wrapped a chair around his ankle and, you know, stomped on the chair. So What an episode uh, of
2: Superstars. Just <laughs> okay. Right.
1: How about that? But, Miss McMahon mentioned during Austin's entrance that Austin had went to the hospital to get what? his mouth stitched up.
2: Oh, not a local medical oh. facility?
1: Well, yeah, that's what it is. By the way, this is the King of the Ring finals now. We got Steve Austin going against Jake Roberts. Winner is crowned, literally, the King of the Ring. Uh, but he apparently had gotten 16 stitches. So that's what we know on the broadcast. But what we did know, you know, at the time, but what we would find out later, is that Austin had spoke to Michael Hayes, aka Doc Hendricks, before his entrance, and kind of got the scoop on what Jake had talked about during his promo earlier in the night. So he kept that in the back of his mind, you know, because he knew he was going to win the match, obviously, and he knew he was going to get a promo after the match. He's like, okay, let me play off of something that Jake said. Again, that promo that Jake had with Doc Hendricks is you know, a pivotal moment in Steve Austin's career because that's the that was the impetus for what he would say after this match. Uh, Austin jumps on Roberts right away, beats him up pretty much the whole time. Gorilla Monsoon comes out to check on Jake Roberts, see if he wanted to continue. Jake Roberts does. Roberts fights back a little bit, but Austin threw him into the corner, ran his shoulder into his ribs, you know, hurt his ribs even more, and then just unceremoniously hit the stunner and won the match. Yeah and to become the fourth king of the ring.
2: You know, I always said that the Stone Cold Stunner was named after, like, the Stunning Steve character. Like, I always thought that was the reason he named it the Stunner.
1: <laughs>
2: I thought it was because, I mean, maybe that was name before that?
1: I don't know. I thought it was that. but
2: No, I'm just saying, like, in my mind, I remember him as Stunning Steve in WCW, so when he named it the Stone Cold Stunner, I was like, "Oh, like it's a playoff as stunning Steve character," but I really doubt that was the case. But huh,
1: maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at Wikipedia. It says it was innovated by Mikey Whipwreck, but it was suggested to him by Michael Psas. Huh. Whatever. I thought of Michael Psas. Visit. i just mean
2: the name i don't mean the actual move i mean just the. Name. i know i
1: know oh, okay <laughs> just looking at it uh and they got the different types of stunners here <laughs> they got a i didn't know there's so many types of stunners there's a backpack <laughs> stunner which i have seen oh geez the diving corkscrew stunner which is the the eclipse that ember moon does you have an elevated stunner a fireman's carry stunner which is the tko Right? Forward Somersault Stunner. Front Face Lock Stunner. Which is like... I don't know. Is that like a uh, twist of fate?
2: I guess? I have no clue.
1: (laughs) Inverted Suplex Stunner. Jumping Stunner. Rolling Stunner. Which apparently Frank Kazarian uses. A running Stunner. Springboard Stunner. Which of course is what John Cena was using during that uh, whole... Uh, U.S. Open Challenge, Stone Cold Stunner, <laughs> Tilt a Stunner, Vertical Suplex Stunner, and then Wheelbarrow Stunner. So whoever put this Wikipedia piece together put a lot of time in to figuring out all the types of stunners. But Steve Austin, King of the Ring. Where does he kind of? Who are some of your top King of the Rings, Kings of the Ring? <laughs> I keep forgetting. There's multiple kings, not rings. Kings of the ring. Who are some of the guys that come to mind for you when you think of the king of the ring? Uh,
2: honestly, you know, Brett and Owen up top. Yes. Cold uh, Steve Austin right below them, even though this was clearly the catalyst for him. Uh, but me personally, I love you know, the first one and I love the second one. Uh, you know, the other ones after this, I mean, 98 was what? Ken Shamrock. That you had yeah. Edge, right, in 99, or was that 2000? Kurt that Angle was, was one of them. By Kurt then, Angle, I thought, was a great King of the Ring. But but, I guess with the character, but the more they got, like, in the Attitude Era, the less the King of the Ring meant to me, Yeah. like, as king. Like, I, I think it was a good, like, character thing if they needed it, but, like, Ken Shamrock didn't really need it. By the way, they're like... All heels, except Bre- with the exception of Bret Hart, you had ninety four a heel, ninety five a heel, ninety six mm. a heel, ninety seven a heel. Like four years in a row, you have a heel win it. It's kind of crazy to think about. That is. Um, but then you have, you know, Edge well, winning. kind of like, eh. yeah, like when Edge won it, it was like, eh. Kurt Angle was probably the best out of that bunch. Uh, for me, Brock Lesnar didn't mean much, and I don't, I don't even remember. like was uh, Rob Van Dam win one or no? Two
1: thousand one. That was him. Uh, yeah, I don't
2: right. I don't, I don't remember, know who won in two thousand one. Yeah, that was during the invasion. So, uh, yeah, yeah I looking it up. Two thousand one, the early the ring? early kings of the ring, are like my favorite kings of the ring. <laughs> uh, oh, Edge won in
1: 2001. two thousand one. Two ninety nine was uh Billy Gunn.
2: Oh God, that's right, Billy Gunn. <laughs>
1: ninety nine was Billy Gunn. Oh, yes, yeah. and in two thousand was Kurt. And then 2001 I know Brock
2: beat RVD in the final, but I thought RVD had won it. By Mm
1: -mm. and Edge got like looked like the damn Stanley Cup. (laughs) They gave him a trophy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know. But yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Like, like Chris kept carrying
2: it around like it was his.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I agree with me. Brett and Owen are like the two kings of the ring, right? Like that you think of instantly. Like, I always think of Owen when he's sitting in a throne and he's got that look on his face like, yep, <laughs> check me out now. Like, that's that's the King of the Ring. Brett was a great King of the Ring, too, obviously. Um, And, I, yeah, I'll go Kurt. And I, and maybe of the latter ones, maybe Booker T, and that's it. Because I'm not going King Corbin. I'm not going Wade Barrett. I'm not even – and Will Regal, yeah, they would you know set what? him up for a big run. They were setting him up for a big run, but he, uh, I think he had a, he got suspended for some reason, and that went out the window. But, I mean, I guess you can go back even further with, you know, Harley Race, King Harley Race. Uh, and uh, Haku.
2: Haku. Haku's my number yeah. one.
1: <laughs> king Haku.
2: Jim Duggan's number two. <laughs> but, Randy um, Savage is uh, a good one. Savage? I, I forgot, I, I forgot Sad Sad Savage was king that. of the ring. Yeah. Well, I guess, you I'm know, it just, I guess that counts even though it's not like a tournament, but they they beat the guy for the title of king. So, uh, yeah. I guess he's technically the king, but like I liked the character, but as far as, you know, I'm thinking s- solely like Pay-Per-View's King Booker is probably one of my favorites as well. Uh Bret Hart technically, I guess was not no no recognized as king after SummerSlam since uh, Jerry Lawler wound up winning that bout, but uh Getting there and, you know, the coronation and all that it just left an impression on me that I'm not going to forget. And then Owen winning it and basking in that glory when he realized, like, Brett wasn't king anymore, you know. And really making it, like, his tights, you know, with the king, that king of hearts thing. And they had that graphic that they put the spotlight on the ring with the king of heart, the king yep. card with the hearts and him, hit his face on it. Like, that type of stuff was just, like, next level. And then... He, he did the most I think he probably did the most uh, King Booker I think is up there but I think Owen Hart did the most yeah. with that King of the Ring moniker
1: he, Owen Hart did the most as far as like just kind of I don't want to say subtlety but like gloating and just like yeah like it became part of his character when King of the, King Booker became a king <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> King Booker and he won the world title which I don't know how many King of the Rings Kings of the Ring damn it uh won the world title after winning the tournament like i guess king booker would be the only one like not like eventually of course steve austin would win a world title on triple h eventually uh, i guess Book, i guess brock lesnar would be up there because he won it right after and i guess kurt angle because he no i guess yeah kurt angle because he won it later in 2000 so i guess those three would be the people that come to mind as like okay these are guys who use king of the ring to springboard them to a world title uh, the other guys really didn't, but I, I agree that Owen and Brett, When I, when I think of King of the Ring, I instantly think of those two. And of course, Steve. I think Steve Austin had to be in there because of the promo. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely the uh most famous moment from a King of the Ring, <laughs> you know, the, the the promo. But um, but speaking of the promo, we get after the match, Austin walks up to the throne and custom promo that honestly changed his life i mean that's the only way you can slice it it changed his life and it changed wrestling eventually but do we have audio from this promo nick uh we sure do now the coronation begins let's take you
0: up to doc hendricks doc go ahead all right ladies and gentlemen the fourth prestigious King of the Ring, Stone Cold Steve Austin, an incredible victory. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my oh, ring. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> Don't we'll
2: just talk get about out Earl Hebner.
0: Get him out of the WWF wow. because I've <laughs> proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there, and you thump your Bible, and you say your prayers, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. He is stone cold. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird. All right, stop. <laughs> and try to get <laughs> back of that courage he had in his pride. As the king of the ring, I'm serving notice to every one of the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn what they are. They're all on the list, and that's Stone Cold's list, and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. All right, Stone Cold Steve Austin. As, <laughs> and his remarks?
3: <laughs> it's trying
0: to move on. It's is considered, son? I don't give a damn if it's Davey Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come, and when I get the shot, you're looking at the next WWF champion, and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so.
1: Boom. Obviously, anything but
2: humble. <laughs> no glass <fourth> breaking. <laughs>
1: right. Ring, usually, hear the glass Stone break. But not this Cole's time. Steve <laughs> and he and he started the bottom line. He did, then, right?
2: I believe so, so. I don't know if he used it before, but. Uh, feels like the first time he used it in that context like right at the end, like boom, like drop type moment, yeah.
1: Like, yeah. You talk about money promo, it has to be again, the promo changed his life. I mean, he went from eventually you know, just a guy who, yeah, he won king of the ring to the biggest star in the business eventually. Didn't happen right away, but it happened eventually. And it has to be one of the most memorable promos of all time. We can all go back every year and point to the day that this promo took place. I see it on Twitter every year when June twenty third rolls around. You know, twenty years ago this day, or whatever, Austin coined the term Austin three sixteen, and we'll see it again this year on June twenty third. Uh it has to be one of the most impactful or best promos ever. It's up there with the Hard Times promo from Dusty Rhodes. You know, people always talk about Hard Times Daddy. You know, this this has to be up there. As far as especially 100%. what as far as what came next.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny part is, he was the real first King of the Ring that didn't wear any of the King of the Ring garb. He was like, All right, right, get, I'll get just, that crap out I I'll just going <laughs> to
1: mention that. He never put on a robe or put on a crown, and I think which that only added kinda, to his exactly, character.
2: Exactly. I think it added uh, a lot to it that I didn't really appreciate at that moment. Uh, it's not something I thought about. I wasn't like, oh, the, he's not wearing the crown. That's stupid. Like, he's King of the Ring. Wear the crown. It was just like, That's not what Stone Cold Steve Austin does, and I was like, okay with it.
1: Because Triple H put it on next year. (laughs) He had the crown. He had the rule. Kurt (laughs) Angle won the rule. He beat mankind's ass with it, but (laughs) (laughs) he did put it on,
2: though. You're right.
1: (laughs) But Steve Austin did not put it on. Uh, I know what promo wouldn't be in consideration for one of the top promos ever, and that was Cody's promo from a couple weeks ago. I'm sure he wanted it to be mentioned as one of the best promos of all time. Mm -mm. Not here, Cody. Sorry. Not going to happen. (laughs) Mm -mm. Mm -mm. But it's funny because, like I said, Austin didn't become like the overnight sensation that kind of WWE would like you to believe. Like, he didn't get pushed straight to the moon right away. He didn't get a one-on-one title match. I don't think at any point in 96. I think it didn't happen until 97. I don't think he got a one-on-one match until, like, was it Undertaker?
2: When Undertaker was yeah, champion? May 97. But I don't know if he had a match with Shawn Michaels while he was champion, like as an actual title match, as Stone Cold Steve Austin, if it, whether it was on Raw or something. But, yeah, the first real title match I remember is The Undertaker in May 97.
1: Because well, fa- Final Four, that was for the title, right? But uh, he, yeah, that's
2: technically true. That was yeah. a...
1: That was a four-way. I'm talking about one-on-one. Right. Cold, that was Cold Day in Hell when he had the one-on-one was,
2: match. And the main event, too. I think that was his right. first. Like, I mean, he wrestled with Bret Hart, but at, this was, like, I think the first time he was really headlining with someone other than
1: Bret Hart. Right. They named it In Your House after him. Yeah. And so The that Undertaker, was, too.
2: So, it was like Cold Day in right. Hell. That was kind of cool. That
1: was both of them. Right. But that was almost a year after this promo. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah we're talking about we had to go through the Brian Pillman stuff and unfortunately we never really got a match out of that uh, at least i don't
2: remember them having a match no they had a bunch of angles they had a match on raw but that was when pillman was like he could barely move even coming back from mm. that ankle so it wasn't right. it wasn't very it wasn't a good technical match and i'm sure they were actually supposed to have a match at king of the ring as well and i think once they realized that couldn't happen, and then Bret Hart couldn't go, they just kind of put Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold in a match, and they did the Austin Pillman match on Raw, which they were able to kind of book around because of Pillman's injuries. So, yeah, yeah, it never wound up r- no real payoff to that, other than like the Hart Foundation, just a verbal back and forth and attacks here and there, but no match one on one. Other than that, Raw right. thing, obviously.
1: So, so we move on from that to Bret Hart, which was. Survivor Series, that was Bret Hart's return. That was a big deal. Uh, and then he got the Royal Rumble. He won the Royal Rumble, so that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? But to, he me, a real,
2: to me, that's his real like, legit starting point where I was paying attention to him and I was like, oh, he's going to be a big time. Like, King of the Ring promo didn't really hit me until you know years later, honestly, as right. a fan.
1: Right, because once realized like, oh, Austin three sixteen was a top selling selling shirt of all time. Yeah. And, you know, that's to this day we celebrate on March sixteenth, we celebrate Steve <laughs> Austin Day. Three sixteen. You know, like that's crazy. Yeah. But you mentioned World Rumble, even though know, he didn't get a title match at WrestleMania, which I'm not I don't recall why he didn't. Uh do you remember?
2: Why what? He
1: did not get a title match at WrestleMania, even though he won the World Rumble.
2: Because technically Uh, He was eliminated, so once you know the referees that didn't see him get eliminated, then they made that match. Uh, I think uh, I don't know if I think the original final four was just going to be to go to WrestleMania, but they obviously made it the title match because of Shawn Michaels' injury. Right, but I think they. Imagine how that would have been because obviously Bret Hart would have won that. It would have been Bret and Shawn in WrestleMania. And That's what it's what, supposed what, to be. Yeah, what would have Austin done? Like, it definitely would not oh. have worked out. I think as well as it did. But damn, uh, so it was
1: another. It's another time where things just worked out in Austin's favor. Yeah, right. It just happened. <laughs> the things just fell into place, and for him to get to you know the platform to be a star, and he just took it and ran with it. Obviously, but I think you said Royal Rumble, and then WrestleMania when he had the match with Bret Hart. Where he didn't submit he didn't quit and he had the blood running down his face which is still one of the most iconic shots of all time in wrestling he even made it into a t-shirt a steve austin shirt <laughs> you know a match that he lost his face was turned into a shirt after that that's how much money he could make you know they just sell him if has had steve austin's name on it they could sell it right but those two matches made steve austin really into the big starter he was this really just coined the term and eventually WWF came around and was like, Okay, we gotta do something with him because the people are into him. <laughs> We've been messing around for too long. Let's do something. And they finally did in ninety seven where they started you know, he started t- becoming a baby face and he won the Intercontinental Championship and the shirt was selling and then all of a sudden he breaks his neck and but he even bounced back from that somehow and still became the biggest star in, in the in the business. But um so yeah, this promo is is it's rightfully uh, hailed as a legendary promo because it did really was a catalyst for his career, but it wasn't an overnight sensation for Steve Austin right after it it took a while. WWE almost fumbled that bag (laughs) severely, which they fumbled others. I mean, I mean, or potentially others. We don't know if they would have turned into bags because nothing ever came of it, but there are times when people turn some heads like, Hey, let's go to CM Punk in the pipe bomb promo they fumbled that because they could have made more money off of that than they did. They made, they did something, you know, they got the money in the bank match, John Cena. That was dope. But then, you know, he's, he's losing the triple H at not the champions. He's texting himself or you no, know, was it, what was it? Kevin Nash texted himself or whatever it was.
2: Yeah. He went into the some locker room, took his phone, texted Kevin Nash from, from his, some his CEO phone. Punk's
1: phone or something uh, like that.
2: Triple H's phone or something.
1: Yeah. It's uh, stupid. Yeah. Then you know, he got all that. He loses to and, and then he no he wins, but he gets power bombed by Nash and the real catches is in and all that stupid stuff. <laughs> all that was sucker stuff. So that's what I'm saying. They fumbled that. That could have been so much better. And it started with a great promo and they messed it up. Yeah. They almost did it with Steve Austin. They could have been just like that. <laughs> but they, they woke up and said, like, Oh, let's get, let's get this together. So <sighs> Austin three sixteen, still a legendary promo to this day. We're moving on. We get to look at the Sega Saturn blimp. When a <laughs> yeah. blast from the past. Oh yeah. We're not talking about we're not talking about Sega Genesis or even Sega Dreamcast. Sega Saturn. Man, I never had a Sega Saturn. I don't know if I knew anybody that had a Sega Saturn. But it was a big deal for a little bit, like a hot
2: minute. Yeah. I mean, i I wanted every single thing in existence, but uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want to uh or, or what like Sega Saturn was I don't think I even rented it so it was either like Genesis Super Nintendo like that was kind of it so I think yeah, my I cousin had Sega Sega S- my, my cousin had Sega Saturn so I did play it but I was just not interested at all
1: mm. yeah I don't I don't remember really any games they had on it that were like dope that made you like this dream when dreamcast hit they had a bunch of good games on dreamcast like the 2k games like nfl 2k nba 2k Shinmu, ready to rumble power stone like yeah, some dope games on dreamcast that's how people bought it and then uh people would just stop buying it once ps2 came out <laughs> and moved on but saturn i don't know that i really, really had a chance because i don't remember the games they had on there so i, I definitely didn't rent it I, speaking of sega though i have a sega genesis Right now, nice, nice. I my my girl bought uh a, like a New Age I guess Sega Genesis. It came with four, comes with forty games on it. <laughs> it's like really small kind of thing, but it's got like I can't. We think we got four controllers for it, and it's got like Streets of Rage, Street Fighter, Eternal Champions. I think the first three Sonic, the Hedgehogs, Golden Axe. It's got a I think multiple Mega Mans, Earthworm Jim, Toe Jam and Earl, like all the classics, all the classics. So. I was hoping it had like a Mortal Kombat or like a football game, but it does not. So I'm disappointed <laughs> by that, but because I wanted to play like Joe Montana football, bro. That was yeah. dope back in the day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> I guess you're not interested in that. No,
2: I I did like the Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. Oh, that see, come really on, that's classic. That was really it.
1: That was that game. And maybe Ken wrestling. wrestling baseball.
2: Thing, yeah, some wrestling games, but that was the majority of my playing. Yeah, no
1: wrestling games.
2: No, uh, I don't know if they did they have wrestling games on Genesis,
1: besides oh, like yeah. WWF they had, games. Oh, like,
2: they had Royal Rumble. Yeah, they had a lot. Oh, yeah.
1: If they, yeah, I, they don't have, there's no Royal Rumble on here. If they had Royal Rumble, that's all I'd be playing, <laughs> like, <laughs> I wouldn't play anything else. Um, but yeah, King of the Ring it's time for the main event of the evening, it is for the WWF Championship. Shawn Michaels defending against British Bulldog. Of course, this match comes about after Beware of Dog. Uh, we talked about that a couple weeks back where they had the ridiculous finish of Shawn Michaels doing the German suplex but he get, his shoulders get counted by one official and another official like with his legs outside of the ring counts British Bulldog shoulders down and now we have controversy and then uh, Diana Hart is holding up the belt upside down and Gorilla Monsoon snatches it from her, and they ruled it a draw at the end of the day. Here's a rematch. And before the match, we got Mr. Perfect in the ring, and Gorilla Monsoon comes out. And he whispers something to Howard Finkel's ear, and then he gets in the mic and says that Mr. Perfect would only officiate outside of the ring. And that your favorite referee, or he- Hebner, would officiate inside of the ring. And I'm sure you were upset by this. And so was Jim Cornette. He was pissed off by this development.
2: For some, when I wrote it, I said Mister Perfect as a special enforcer because I remember him being outside the ring. But I totally forgot. Like the lead up was basically billing him as the only referee until the beginning of the match. And once Gorilla came out with, of course, spotlight hogging Earl Hebner, uh, I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that's what happened." Yeah, that's what
1: happened. And Jim Ross agreed with me and mentioning that Mr. Perfect was a terrible official at of WrestleMania 10 <laughs>
2: with his terrible fit too. But hey, he was uh, you know, he had the black pants this time. So
1: Yes, he had a normal outfit this time. <laughs> Somebody was like, look, you're not wearing that again. You're not doing that again. Mm-mm. Wear a normal outfit this time. Um, and early on in this match, we got some miscommunication between Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog. Uh, they did a leapfrog spot and bulldog would run under him and hit the ropes and show michael's tried it again but bulldog just stopped in front of him and looked at him like what now <laughs> and michael said something and then british bulldog picked him up and they just kept going but it seemed like that happened a few times in this match just like what's going on here like it was just funny to see like british Bulldog just stood there and just looked at him dead in the face like uh, Sean Michael was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> I
2: was like, what's what's going on?" I was like, "Come on, Sean, you're the champ. What do I do?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. That was a little miscommunication there. Uh, the match itself was kind of long. It was, I think it's the longest match in the show. It's was, it was like 25 minutes. It
2: really minutes.
1: was. Uh, nothing really did spectacular happen. There. Nothing really to speak of from. Uh, this. I like uh, Think of. It, I,
2: there were a lot of like near falls, and it, it was a good match. It, the crowd wasn't like greatly into it, but. Uh, I think after that, you know, you know the near falls, the high, high moves. I liked uh, Bulldog kind of pressing HBK over his head and then just dropping him on the outside. <laughs> and this man calling for him to be DQ'd, like. Right, what? losing his mind. This is <laughs> not the NWA, bro.
1: Yeah, this ain't Jim Crocker promotions. So you can't throw somebody out of the ring. Like this is this happens in every one
2: of your matches. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he did that on purpose Let's disqualify ref. Come on, it's like what? <laughs> I see this like every damn day. What are you talking about? Right. I always thought it, I thought it was weird back then, and I thought it was weird when I was watching it now, but. That was one of my favorite moments of the match, and obviously all that gold dust stuff all over you know their bodies and stuff was just ridiculous. I hated it. Uh, it 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 made me pay attention to that than the actual like match. I was like, man, they're just rolling around. Whereas like they couldn't sweep, you know, the the mats outside in <laughs> the ring. Like I don't understand. It couldn't not. put it in a couldn't sweep it and put it in a box or something. <laughs> like get it out of there. Like I didn't understand. I guess they didn't
1: have a- but. they didn't have a broom on hand they got steel chairs <laughs> under the ring and sledgehammers and chainsaws but not
2: a broom <laughs> no broom bucket. that's so stupid
1: you know so hey it, it, it's what it is but uh at one point urhebnik gets knocked down yet again which is like okay this is why we got mr perfect so he wouldn't get knocked down uh and unconscious but he gets knocked down at some point he gets back up though to count after the michael says sweet chin music uh, Shawn Michaels goes with a pin Earl Hebner's counting and then we got Mr. Perfect counting from the outside you know uh, halfway in the ring while he's counting Owen Hart pulls him out but that doesn't stop Earl Hebner from counting so he counts through and <laughs> Michaels wins the match <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but then <laughs> Owen pulls him out and then they're like that was a two count and Mr. Perfect looks at him with this dumb look on his face and then he's like that was a two count like <laughs> At at first, I thought, okay, Perfect's going to turn face because, you know, he was trying to pin and then Owen Hart pulled him out. But then Perfect's like doing like, yeah, that was a two count. Like, what's going on here? And I was like, oh, Perfect's just being perfect. Oh, Kurt Henning, you rascal.
1: Being a terrible official. Unbelievable. As always.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed this uh, back and forth, by the way, during the match. Diana's face.
0: Really concerned. Hey, God, she, at be. she is beautiful. She's worried, but very, very beautiful. She was a much beautiful like woman. Most of the people in my family is a couple ugly. One of my brothers is real ugly. Owen, were you adopted? <laughs> Stop it! What kind of a stupid <laughs> question is that? Are you implying that I'm much smarter than everybody else and better looking? <laughs> Obviously, the brother you're making reference to is the individual whom you've attempted to disparage all these many years. Bret Van Hart, who no doubt is watching from
2: Calgary. On I think he wasn't. No doubt. Nobody wanted him. My mom had comp- compassion oh, come and took on him. <laughs>
1: we don't need to go there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> compassion and took him. <laughs> he said it's true. <laughs> Owen Hart was another one of on this night. I of Owen during the
2: main event, in my opinion.
1: It was not calling Jose Lothario a dirty Mexican. It was I'm not that. No. 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 or well, something like that. I forget what he said. He referred to him as a Mexican, though. And they called him, I think, Jose Estrada or something like that. It was like, that's not his name. Uh, but, yes, Owen Hart was still funny, though, and other points. Um, but after the match, we get Owen Hart and British Bulldog beating the hell out of Shawn Michaels, at least for a little bit. I mean, Shawn Michaels beating them up for a while. But they finally get their upper hand on him. And that's when Ahmed Johnson comes out to help his good buddy, all of a sudden, Shawn Michaels. But then Vader comes out to help the heels. And they're about to hit a Vader splash, I guess. Uh, they were trying to do it. Then it's like, wait, Vader, get over here so you can do this splash. <laughs> and oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me climb up real quick. And he climbs up, <laughs> takes his sweet-ass time, because he's got to wait for the, the warrior to come out. He doesn't want to do the splash, obviously. The warrior's about to come out. The warrior finally comes out. The place goes nuts. And you know, the, the, the heels clear out. And this was supposed to set up a six man tag at International Incident in Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> um, so far Shawn away. Michaels. So far away. Yeah. I mean, look, it is far away from here, from Philly at least. Yeah. Um, but it was supposed to be Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and the Ultimate Warrior against Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Invader, Camp Cornette. But. Ultimate Warrior got fired. So he was not at the match. It was like Magic Johnson, like, I I ain't going to be there. Like, that was was Ultimate Warrior. That's one of the memes
2: I love using on Twitter. I know, I'm seeing it. I ain't going to be there. Just shaking his head. No, I'm not going to be there. I love it.
1: In his place was Sid.
2: So, which just a nice little comeback. It had been a while since we saw Sid. It was a nice little surprise.
1: Yeah, yeah it was nice. <laughs> so after that, after this little in-ring shenanigans here, we get a <laughs> Coliseum video <laughs> exclusive, which was got me on the floor laughing at the end of it. But we got Camp Cornette backstage, and Jim Cornette's doing a whole bunch of talking, talking his mountainous ass off, as he usually does. And he said that at one point he said Warrior's future is looking pretty dim, and it's like, well, I guess so because he got fired not long <laughs> after this. Um, so maybe he can do something that we didn't. Um, nothing else really mattered though in this promo, except when Jim Ross had asked Jim Cornette if he had any closing remarks, and he said, and Cornette said, "You got the biggest jaws I've ever seen."
0: Yeah. <laughs> You've got the biggest jowls i ever seen in my life. Oh, why don't you shut <laughs> up? Go, go. why you, like that? you got a big mistake. Yeah. Look at who's around you. You call our manager an idiot again, and you'll pay for it. Vader style, bulldog style, or royal style from the king of hearts. Vader would eat you alive yeah. if he wasn't on a
1: low-fat <laughs> diet. <laughs> this interview... Was- <laughs> <laughs> why did he do that? Why did he say that, Jim Ross? Eat <laughs> you alive if he wasn't on a low-fat diet. Oh, That's man. not right, man. That's, they don't need the fat shame. But that's funny. It just, it's just out of uncalled for. It is.
2: It, it it made no sense, but that made it hilarious. And uh, <laughs> just uncalled uh, for.
1: Biggest child I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's not right.
2: By the way, the low fat. The me. low
1: fat diet one was pretty clever. Uh, that's why I was like, I laughed at <laughs>
2: yeah. it. The, the British Bulldog called Vader Big Van Vader. <laughs> we're <in> this is <laughs> like, not a second, WCW. Bro. Wait a second. <laughs> like I know you were in WCW with Vader back in like 93, <laughs> but he's not Big Van here.
1: <laughs> this is not WCW, Davey. <laughs> Sting is not walking through that door, and neither is the Shockmaster. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This is not WCW. We're in WWF. We're not in Atlanta. This is not a flare for the gold, baby. What? <laughs> oh man, the shock! Massive. What if? What
2: if that was his kick in the ring promo? What? <laughs> and then nothing was the same after that. <laughs> oh man.
1: Nothing was the same. But, yep, that is... I love
2: these Coliseum Video exclusives. that crack me up.
1: Especially for Cohenette just roasting people. Yeah. <laughs> that was King of the Ring 1996. Nick, you have any final thoughts on the show?
2: I thought it was a fun show. For that time period, June 96, we had already seen uh, Hall and Nash and WCW by this point. Uh, I was not really like interested in in that. Like I, I was interested, but not enough to, you know, start watching WCW pay per views and all the time and you know Nitro overall. But uh, you know this pay per view w- was good enough for me as a fan back then, and I was still like pro WWF all the way.
3: <laughs> so
2: <laughs> you know I've, I I liked it. I still like it a little bit. Like it, it for a '96 WWF pay per view. I think it's one of the better ones, and uh, but that's really it.
1: Yeah, it was a good show. I mean, obviously, we got, you know, one of the best promos of all time out of it, but, you know, it was it was a good show. We got, you know, king, good King of the Ring, uh, one good King of the Ring match, I guess, to Steve Austin and Mark Merrow. Uh, we got a good King of the Ring, as you know, Steve Austin. Uh, Ahmed Johnson was new intercontinental, intercontinental Champion, and he was supposed to be a big star. Like, bigger than what he was at this point, he's probably going to be a champion one day. Uh, they they got a great f- match and a continuation of the f- story between Mankind and, and The Undertaker and the main event which was pretty good but the finish and not really the finish but the post match was crazy like the fans are going crazy when Ultimate Warrior is out there and they set up the next pay-per-view main event with that finish with that you know ending of the show so they got a lot done on this show mm-hmm. and even though Warrior was at the International Incident they still did the match anyway but uh, with sid but yeah they got a lot done uh it was you know for this time period like you said it was a decent show it was a pretty good show so i can't knock wwe uh too much for it it's pretty good yeah so <laughs> with that said
2: nick take us out with some plugs please on episode 287 you cannot follow me at Nick Pacone on Twitter because I'm suspended. So follow me at Pacone underscore for now. And follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. You can listen to this podcast, at phillyinfluencer.com dot com, Philly dot com. Well, I am not suspended, so I'm still at
1: one M. Johnson on Twitter. Show off.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you can check me out there. You can check me out here in these streets because uh, your boy is fully vaccinated, of course. And you check out my writing at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Got some good stuff coming down the pike there. Also, check us out on pa- Patreon, patriot.com slash shootersradio. Again, if you want us to fulfill, you want us to cover something that you want us to talk about, you can go to patreon.com slash shootersradio, put in your request, and we shall fulfill said request. And we'll even have you stop by the show, drop in for a little cameo real quick uh, to sweet the pot a little bit. But we're going to do a Patreon request next week. That Patreon request will be King of the Ring 1997, where, you know Triple H is finally out of the doghouse, he wins King of the Ring, and he puts on the crown, even, so a lot happens there, so we'll cover that next week, but until then, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson, thanks for listening to episode 287 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week.
3: Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's on. Oh, yeah! Kick it!